we are back, and this week we are having a hit and Quentin, how are you doing this evening? Get it? How are you doing this evening? I'm good. I feel like I'm developing a chest cold. Okay, uh, not good. Yeah, so like as soon as this is done, I'm probably gonna take some Nyquil and just go to sleep. But not a bit. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel awful though. It's just one of those things where like you can tell that you're getting sick without like the real like sick like uh, like like the stuff that really will bother you hasn't right. started yet. But you know, I'm fine. I'm here. Uh, I feel like this week hasn't been as as eventful as past weeks, but there is still some some still some stuff to cover. Yeah, there's clearly the namesake, the opening topic, I'll say, for the episode, uh, officially announcing Rocky Romero joining the front office team at AEW. Kind of an interesting announcement when you've got the connection with him being the longtime gaijin, a non-Japanese native wrestler liaison for New Japan at this point, kind of having taken that role over from... Uh, Carl Anderson when he left. Um, and then also his history with CMLL, um, especially right now, currently in kind of a resurgence of uh, having, you know, great matches there and being a big part, weirdly being a big part of kind of the CMLL uh, renaissance period right now, which is kind of interesting. He was a big you know piece of the nucleus, obviously not the main reason there's tons of talent there and, Rocky is a smart guy who always keeps himself in the mix. So clearly, you know, it's one of those chicken and egg thing, cart before the horse or whatever, uh, where like, do you think, was he really part of making it hot or was he just smart and saw it was getting hot and stuck himself in there? But we're looking at, you know, we're looking at the feeling is back. AEW is back. Rocky's getting himself in the, in the, in the spot there. As I talked about, he's the liaison. He's also a member of chaos longtime friends with Okada and Osprey. Um, is this, do you think this is a Okada, a sop to either both guys, you know, Okada and Osprey? Is this, again, just a good guy to have in the fold, have him on, on payroll so that he can liaison between all of the companies and kind of smooth things over? What do you think about Rocky, his positioning, his spot? And, I'll, you know, I'll call it out there, a guy who... 15 years ago, I guess maybe less than that, 10, you know, 12 years ago in that range. I told him the first time I got to see him in person, you know, I think secretly you're one of the best wrestlers on the planet and people just don't even realize it, you know, because they think, oh, Rocky Romero, whatever. But I think that you watch him now and the way that he has had a revitalization in CMLL and tons of people really appreciating how good he is. More and more people are saying like Rocky's been able to kind of do it all and he's always been really solid, you know? Yeah, I think that Rocky is just the perfect person because of all the relationships he has with people that are on the AEW roster. Obviously, so being such a long-time, tenured New Japan guy by this point, he's been in New Japan since, like, 2003. And, like, even further back, if you want to go, like, back to his training and where he was trained at and stuff, like, you, he's, he's a New Japan guy through and through. And even with CMLL, like, He's just the perfect guy to be bridging all these gaps. It's something 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 people were saying about like all the forbidden door stuff and this and that and 
Jericho was saying it and all these other guys were saying it. And, you know, by this point, everyone knows that the real forbidden door is Rocky Romero, who is just he he is he's the contact point for so much of this stuff. So I think he's a good guy to have just in terms of communication and things like that, because I don't know what the status of some of the New Japan AEW relationship is. I think they're still good and cordial, but do I feel like there could possibly be some stuff with New Japan not feeling the best about two of their biggest guys all leaving for AEW within weeks of each other? Like, I I could imagine they don't feel great about that, but having someone like Rocky to potentially land the ship there and make sure everything stays good involving CMLL, I feel like Rocky is just the perfect guy for that. Um, I will say that we probably shouldn't leave out that Rocky was a big part or is a big part of what was going on with New Japan Strong. And he was also a guy that yes. was trying to bring in Chris Dickinson and Marty Skrull. Yes, I was so, I was uh, going to go there next. I'm not saying that he's some great guy. And in <laughs> some ways, the stuff that you're pointing out there is it goes hand in glove with what we're talking about. And that is that he's a smoozer. He's a smoozer. He's a relationship, you know, cultivator. He is a guy who is more than willing to be friendly with anyone. I think I this might have been in a DM. This might have been a tweet, something. But people were talking about, you know, like Rocky and, and bringing in Riddle. Right. And all of the stuff there. And, and I'm like, Rocky is the kind of guy who's so nice and likable. And like I said, I've talked to him and met him here and there. Not friendly with him. Not someone I have chats with, but have talked to him enough to where if you told him, you know, hey, did you hear this stuff about Matt Riddle or whatever after he's already being, you know, being booked or whatever? He'd just be like, oh, damn, that's crazy. Like that's yeah. and and he would just play it off like, oh, I had no idea. But then he wouldn't change anything about it. And, you know, damn well, he knows all this stuff. You know, he's just he is. He's nice. He's likable. He cultivates relationships with everyone. He's this kind of guy. He's good for this kind of stuff. And some people will look at it and, and say, you know, that's kind of smarmy and that's kind of shitty and that's not having any morals. And I say, look at a guy who's got, as you said, a 20 year career, a guy who was able to train at the New Japan Dojo in L.A., wrestle all over the world internationally even jump ship wrestle in Noah, which is something that, you know, they don't really like guys and then come right back to New Japan as if nothing. Right. And they didn't really treat him any negatively. And if anything, they just gave him more and more power because, again, he's likable. He's probably a great hang. People love, you know, being around him. He's fun. He's funny and all that. And it's just, yeah, it's it, but but. That does not mean he's a moral dude. That does not mean he's cool. That does not mean that I agree with him on politics, on any of that stuff, because I guarantee he'll bring in anybody. He doesn't care. He's not going to care about that stuff. He's a fucking wrestler. He's a worker through and through. I think he's a very good wrestler. I think he always has been. I think he's, you know, solidly works hard, it seems, to do what's good for the business, especially if that helps him, you know, whatever. But yeah, you've got him. And as you talked about, being able to land the ship, being able to help maybe TKCs, he needs more people in the right places. And Rocky is a good guy to be that liaison so that we don't have situations like we have right now with TK tweeting how happy he is that Rossi O'Gal is leaving, right? Like you have a guy who can be your liaison and your conduit to New Japan so that maybe in a year, again, the relationship with New Japan is still solid because you have someone whose focus is working on 
you know, letting New Japan get dates on guys, letting New Japan use your guys, you using New Japan guys in the right spots, you know, actually integrating the relationship more so that it's because you can tell New Japan people get New Japan fans get kind of jaded at the idea that like, what good is this relationship for us? It's so one sided, you know, on AEW side, and it doesn't help New Japan in any way. Well, I think someone like Rocky being more integrated in the day to day of AEW can help with that. Right. So right. definitely a positive. The other part of it, um, Rocky, as I said, Havana Pitbull. I don't even know. I think, yeah, he's he's Cuban, whatever. Um, he is Cuban, yeah. He is Cuban. And it does, I, you know, this is another one I kind of tweeted out. It does go into question now, the policy with CML wrestlers and not having any Mexican wrestlers on the show with them. And Rocky being Cuban, I guess technically not Mexican, so he's okay. But he's also CML adjacent, so he'd be fine either way. But... What a weird story, right? And what a weird <laughs> decree. And I know that it's probably just artful art, you know, not tastefully being explained, unartfully being said. Because the idea that it's like wrestlers of what of Mexican heritage can't be on the show, you know, like who how does this extend? Like AEW wrestlers that are under contract to AEW but happen to be Mexican, they can't wrestle on the show with CMLL. Is that how it works? You know, like the Lucha Brothers, Bandito, all that. Is that does that yeah, count? Yeah, you know, like I don't right? I don't think that's the case. And I feel like it was just being explained very poorly by the people that were aggregating the story. Um yes. I feel like it's very simply put, triple A wrestlers. Like I feel right. I feel like that's like the very easy way to put that. So even if let's say uh Iho Del Vikingo, right? If they wanted to book him, even though Vikingo is Impact and Triple A. That'd be like that'd be different. Like having Vikingo on the show would be would, would be would be a little different. So I feel like that's more of the case. Which again, even though AEW is this wrestling wonderland theoretically, where you can have New Japan talent and DDT talent and A um A Triple A and cmll and um even fucking gato move and tjpw or whatever like talent all over the place that there are still politics that come with whatever regions that you are trying to work with and i feel like that is just one of the things that would naturally come up so what doesn't surprise me that cmll and triple a that cmll would be like Hey, if you're gonna use our guys, maybe don't have a triple A guy, like a real through and through triple A guy, on one of our shows. So I feel like it got aggregated very yeah. poorly, probably. I'm sure that it's that more, but I also think that it, it probably is a little bit more open ended, where it's like IWRG guy. You know, they really don't want any wrestlers who primarily wrestle in Mexico wrestling on the shows with the CMLL guys. And, you know, I kind of get it because you think about it. CMLL, especially right now, is hot. They want to be seen as prestigious. And if their wrestlers are on shows with guys that you're going to see on indie lucha shows or whatever, they're going to say, we don't come across as prestigious. I do wonder, like, yeah, like non-Mexican wrestlers who primarily wrestle in Mexico, they would probably count them as well. And and another carve out that I think is probably part of it is like someone like Roosh, right? Or like I said, Bandito. They don't have a ton of heat with Bandito. I know that there is some unpleasantness there. Um, I think there was a little bit of problems in the past with the Lucha Bros, but I do think that like Roosh, it's like, no, we have like real heat and drama with him. So we wouldn't want him 
wrestling with our wrestlers just to be petty, right? Just yeah, to yeah, be spiteful. Like, yeah, like Rue should be would be one of the ones where like he could just be a guy that has that they that they just don't want the same shows, and that would make sense. Um, I feel I, I thought there was something that came out being like, no, Roosh was actually meant to be on one of these, da 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 da. And like, I'm forgetting the story, but yeah, I, I think Roosh was mentioned by name in one of the follow ups to the story that originally broke. So, yeah, I I feel like this is just the game of wrestling politics sometimes, and I feel like people like like this, like how how long how long was this a thing in Japan until we got to a point in time where like. It feels like a lot of the companies in Japan are on like pretty decent terms with each other. To terms with each other. Like that was yeah. like this is a thing in Japan. Like AAA and CMLL, this has been a thing for the majority of AAA's existence for the most part. So right, like so that that it's, I don't know for me stuff like that doesn't exactly shock me because I'm used to the politics of CMLL and AAA and pettiness like that existing within those companies. So is Roosh a specific case of like a guy that kind of like is on bad terms with CMLL and maybe a bandito possibly, but I don't know. I took it as more of a CMLL AAA thing. I don't think that extends to guys, at least to the full extent that are signed to AEW, like your Lucha Bros and Roosh. Like, I don't, I don't think it's that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I think Roosh possibly, I don't think Lucha Bros. Right. I think that would be a kind of, yeah, you know, whatever. Because there was, you know, there was drama and stuff between, but I think that they're on, yeah, whatever. Anyways, yeah. I just, again, like you said, I think it's just not aggregated well. The people telling the story to begin with didn't do it well. Dave did a, a follow up on his audio this morning that kind of explained it better, which basically just kind of said, not. Not even, he said, like, not even an impossibility, but something that would take effort and you'd have to work with them. He said it'd be like something that Rocky would have to talk to them about. And just the undertone of the way he's saying it is like, not worth it, right? Easier to just say, let's not push the issue for the most part, because they've got so many guys on a contract. It's not as if they need to book those guys on the same shows, you know? Um, Does kill my dream because I looked at it and the way it was setting up, I was just like, it would be, this would be like the perfect way to have the story lead to Roosh joining the Blackpool Combat Club, which I just, I don't know why, but I just think he would be so, he would fit so well with them and it would actually add like something neat to that unit. But, uh, you know, that's not happening now, I guess. Can we uh, talk more about uh, Meltzer's brain being really fucking mush by this point? We sure can. I was gonna, I was hoping that the Rev Pro show would show up somewhere where I don't have to pay for it before we started recording so I could check out this match that he's just absolutely losing it. But it's not just that, obviously. There's a lot more to this. But that, to me, feels like one of the most glaring things that's going on right now. Like that, that, That's just, the thing for me. is I really... Yeah. So Osprey has the most five-star matches, whatever, according to Meltzer, right? Like, he is just the most decorated, beloved wrestler by Meltzer ever by this point and that's really not what this is about like I don't give a shit about how much Dave Meltzer likes Will Ospreay it's something specific about the Oku Osprey matches that hits a certain spot in his brain that I don't understand yes 
I do not get what he sees when he watches them wrestle each other. I don't get what it is with him and Osprey and Oku, where he's like, this is the best of like the 70s and modern wrestling meeting each other with the storytelling. And I'm like, brother, what the fuck? Like, Like, I don't like I don't really I don't see the difference between this and say like I don't, I don't know a long ass melodramatic WWE main event. Right. Like like what's diff- what's different here in Osprey and Oku versus then Gargano and Champa? I don't really see the difference here. And Dave rated those ma- matches well but didn't go nearly as crazy for them and yeah he just likes Will Ospreay more obviously but it hits a certain spot in his brain that I don't get especially when he starts raving about how old school uh everything is and I'm like dude if this is what your brain is calling old school by this point or you feel like it's delivering old school qualities for you that like are really exemplary I don't even know how to understand that like that's a completely different plane of thinking than i can even register because even if i i don't hate the osprey oku matches i don't hate the ones that i've seen but i'm still confused as to what what is it about these matches that hits dave's brain that way it's it is weird it feels Right, like my my gut instinct makes me go like this is this is being fed to him by Osprey, and he's buying into it because that's one thing about Dave is I think that he's very, it's a it's a good and it's a bad right. I think that he's very um, I was gonna say influential, which is also true, but he's very um, influenceable, right? It, he will if you if someone talks to him and explains something to him, like he will buy into it. And I think that Osprey is pro- is very invested in in these matches and this storyline with Oku, and I think he probably explains all the storyline beats to him and the the dynamics. You know, he believes in the like, you know, the drama between Oku and Osprey and uh, Amar- was Amari is that her name? Um, uh, Oku's girlfriend who's like a part of the storyline and all this and that and like, like, I I guess, but I'm just like if. Even if you watch like the Ricky Knight Jr. Osprey stuff, like I think just as good as the Oku stuff. Like I said, I haven't seen the most recent match yet, but it's like I don't, I don't see why this is your your. Or, or even if thing. you wanted to do like from the pan and from the pandemic era, one of those Osprey and Fletcher matches, right? And keep in mind, my whole thing with this Osprey stuff from Ref Pro, I've said it before. Should Osprey be going 40 something minutes, 30? Like, he should not be doing this at all. He should not be going 38 minutes himself, no. let alone with the likes of Ricky Knight Jr. and Michael Oku. That's just not a thing that he should be doing. Jesus. But, oh, my God. Okay. we I've been too checked out on um, Rev Pro and especially like these Osprey. Now I'm looking at it. Do you see the, the matches that Osprey has had in Rev Pro this year? Including a nearly 20-minute match with Big Demo and an over 20-minute match with Eddie Dennis in 2023. Why is he doing this? Look, that's the thing. He should not be doing this. 
But my thing is like, eh, I really don't feel like he's bad in these matches. He shouldn't be doing it. But I'm like, you know what? I, I don't think he's bad in this stuff. So I'm not like super duper upset about it, right? But I don't, you know how I revere the Brian Danielson WXW stuff? It's almost like watching that happen for Will Ospreay. And I'm like, oh my God, this stuff is like so much worse than what Danielson was doing in WXW. Like, I don't really understand what I'm watching. This is like, this is going to be the stuff that becomes, oh man, if you really, really did your homework on Will Ospreay in a GWE case, you got, you got, you got to watch the Rav Pro stuff where he's this and this and this, and he's taking Michael Oku and Ricky Knight and Robbie X and Luke Jacobs to these great matches. And that would be how they talk about it. And I'm just so completely lost in this. And I say this as someone that likes Will Ospreay's wrestling, that I still, I really don't get it with the ref pro stuff. Yeah. It's the Oku thing for sure is like a big one that it just makes no sense because like I said, I don't really see a huge difference between the stuff that he's doing with Oku versus what he's doing with almost anybody. I mean, again, especially Ricky Knight, I think Ricky Knight Jr. and him had a really solid match that had storytelling and all this, but like, yeah, the, the thing where he starts turning into like talking about how this is a love letter to the history of professional wrestling where Will Ospreay and Michael Oku are giving you dynamics from, did you say like from the seventies all the way to the nineties or something like insane? Like like modern time. I'm like, dude, what what does that even mean? What's happening with your brain right now? (laughs) I'm, I'm just like, what does that even fucking mean? Let alone like it's, it's not true. Um, Yeah. It's just, it's, it's really incredible. Um, There is, it did make, it did cross my mind. Um, And it also, it crossed my mind because I'm like clicking through, looking at all this stuff that there's like a random um, six man tag on a live in London, a a Rev Pro live in London show where for some reason, Michael Oku on cage match is listed as the OJMO, which I find very funny because um, they were kind of joking about the OJMO thing on, on the, in the violent people, check out the violent people discord. Um, and like, I was just like, yeah, you know, they don't really call him that or whatever, but it's a, it's a six man, six person. Cause it's got a couple of women in their match that has Jordan breaks in it. And I'm remembering, oh yeah, Jordan breaks is like wrestling again. And it's like the breaks us or the breaks saber match was like, is like really fucking good. Right? Like mm-hmm. the two out of three or the, yeah, the, the, the British rounds match with saber and breaks. And it's like, why is Dave not? watching and raving about that right like it's a much better match like i just yeah i don't quite i don't get why this stuff is just like this crazy thing to him and then like all this other stuff that happens again i like i said the most cynical easy thing to say is just that he's he's letting like osprey being in his ear explaining to him all the details before the match happens or maybe after he watches it is like making him just buy into it more but it's just it's crazy to me would you like to see uh, or hear a blast from the past in terms of a yeah. Will Ospreay uh, Rev Pro match? Do you know what the main event of Rev Pro Summer Sizzler 2019 is? Osprey versus no 2019. I was gonna say Osprey Scroll, where the winner gets an action figure, but that's not no, <laughs> that's, that's, that's earlier than that. Yes, yeah, um, 2016. Yeah, uh, 2019. Main event, 
that could be like Osprey versus Zach, right? What is it? It is not. Are you ready? I'm ready. For in forty two in forty two minutes and twenty two seconds, Will Osprey defeated David Starr in David Starr's career versus Control of Rev Pro. <laughs> uh Jesus. What was I'm now I'm trying to remember what the story was with that where where David Starr He was like feuding like, with Andy the... for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. Like, and lost a like loser leaves town match. Basically. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Then he, there then was he, something... Didn't he come back after that? I think he does he was come about back, to come back after that. He came back like not that soon after, right? Yeah, I thought he come comes back after that. There was that's what I'm saying. There was something to that story that was like didn't actually work out. I think that that was like a David Starr. That was one of the David Starr is supposed to get signed times. Yeah, that. And then he didn't. So then he just came back, which is yeah. Kind of funny to think about because God, imagine if he had gotten signed in 2019 <laughs> and then everything that happens and like, where would he be? He'd be where Jordan Devlin is right now, probably. Right. I'm pretty sure he probably would have stayed employed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He wouldn't yeah. have done the the uh, Gallagher thing where he just admits it and gets fired. He probably would have just kept quiet and still be there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, geez. Um but yeah. Or maybe you know what? 2019, this that might have been he was supposed to sign with AEW. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I would think yeah. AEW. I would think AEW. Yeah, I think that he was supposed to sign with AEW. He was supposed to be part of the first wave of people. And then that's the okay, now I remember this story because he told this story on a podcast yeah, where he, he was, went he and gonna, met was, with them. Yeah, he was gonna he was gonna go, and then for some reason something with the negotiations. Yeah, but yes, he went and met with them, and he didn't like the vibe of, according to him, obviously, he didn't like the vibe of like a billionaire boss, and basically like kind of talked about, you know, unionization and leftist stuff with Tony Khan, and just felt like he didn't get, and he was like, it's important that we actually do something, and the people get, you know, maybe we could have a union and we could have rights and all this stuff, and because he didn't feel like he was getting support on all of that is why he ended up not trying to pursue working there that was the way that that story went yeah i don't know between yeah. him between him and darius lockhart uh <laughs> right giving uh <laughs> jesus give a, allegedly handing a tony Khan yes a, a google yeah. drive or or a flash drive <laughs> yeah uh, with all of the with all the black wrestlers <laughs> yeah uh, jesus all right um Shit, is there anything else to talk about? Because now I'm just thinking about the fact that Oku and Osprey really went fucking 47 minutes. God, Meltzer's sure brain is mush. Jesus. And you're going to watch it. You're going to watch every second of that match. You're going to oh, love I mean, it. No, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, it'll probably be fine. Um, no, I mean, talk about. Oh, oh, the what? officially being announced for uh, Omenaje Dos Leandas. Yeah. We got Blackpool Combat Club officially announced. Yes. For Arena Mexico. It is the Blackpool Combat Club guys versus Blue Panther, Mystico, Ultimo Guerrero, and who and who else is it? I think it's Dorada. Uh yes. Yeah. So that should be really, really good. A lot of people are pointing to this 
like maybe building towards the Blue Panther Danielson match. I think so. And I'm hoping that's the case, but I'm also not entirely sure that that's what's gonna happen. I, I I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait and see. That's it's right there. That should that should be the case, but I'm just not gonna assume that's where that goes. But yeah, officially announced, and it's like a super hot ticket too. And the rest of the show looks awesome too. Like it's a really really good looking show in general. If you are familiar with CMLL and those guys, it's gonna be a really good show. But yeah, I'm super super excited for this. Yeah, and isn't it? It's basically either all the way sold out or pretty much sold out now at this point. Um, oh, you know what? I thought it was Volador Jr., but it, and it is. It's Mystico, Volador Jr., Blue Panther. Oh, Volador. It's not Dorado. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah. And Ultimo Guerrero, which I was I was checking because I wanted to see. It did feel like they kind of aligned the, the guys the way that they're maybe they're going to be. And I was trying to double check because I was like, because I could see him doing Yuda and Claudio in like a tag team match. But would they do Volador and and Ultimo Guerrero versus them? I don't know. Um, because it does feel like they're positioning it with Mystico and, and Moxley and Danielson and Panther, obviously, lined up. Um, but I don't know, as you said, that feels it feels like they're really telegraphing it. So it almost makes you wonder if they're if we're going to end up seeing something happen in the match that's going to like that's not exactly where things are going to go. Although there was obviously the conversation we had with Joseph about that the 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 braid that long braid of Danielson's looking like it's ready to be you know put on the line um so yeah i it's the the tickets are moving as you said hot tickets they're moving fast they're selling out which is crazy i talked about it we talked about it already the idea of like running a bigger building to do something even bigger um i i don't think it's necessary but it just it's just crazy to look at it and see how the tickets move and and the shit selling out and just go like, you know, and people talking about, yeah, it's a walk up. Usually in Mexico, it's a big walk up business. They usually don't sell tickets ahead of time like this. And just seeing the Blackpool Combat Club make such a big difference, just announcing them on the show and just being like, like all these fucking people. And I'm not even trying to denigrate, but, you know, the which there's not even any point to fucking talk down to the WWE stands. Right. Because it's just. We're on completely different fucking playing fields. If you're still supporting WWE through everything right now, and you're like making these weird little arguments about like, oh, these guys aren't stars. Like, I'm sorry, but you know, WWE doesn't even necessarily sell out all of their shows in Mexico. Right? And these guys are going to sell this out, just announcing them on the show. So, you know, they're stars. And I mean, even on top of that, I don't really, business metrics don't really matter. And then also, as I said, even bigger than the rest of it. Like I just, I'm at the point now where I don't even want to hear about WWE. Like I don't even, I'm not going to like follow podcasts or like reviews of the product. I just, I'm, I'm just not interested in, in having anything to do with that thing. Really. I just want, like, I hate to tell people that I like wrestling because that's what they think about. I always have, but like, it's even worse now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's just, it's brutal. Um. Uh, to, uh, to get back to the, we were talking about the running something bigger in Mexico City. I do want to come by and just give a little bit of a correction or context. So the other big venue that would have, even theoretically, they could run would be Mexico City Arena, right? And Mexico City Arena is bigger 
than Arena Mexico. The problem with that is that that is where I believe the AAA of the AAA events get ran. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that yeah. would like that like that would be the thing. Just there. like they put like yeah. UFC is held pay per views there and stuff like that. Like notably, we had like Pettis versus Marino in 2017. Uh, yeah. Rodriguez, Rodriguez, and Stephens in 2019, but yeah. Triple Mania is a play is where the uh, that's like that's the arena that that would be held at. So if there's any you know reason as to where that can't be ran, obviously even more so now with the with the CMLL re- relationship and everything, that would be the other option. But even then, that's not really realistic. So Arena Mexico, right? Even though, like, we'd like to see maybe they could do bigger and have a hotter ticket and do whatever if they wanted to do like a Forbidden Door event in uh, in Mexico City, Arena Mexico really is like the only place where they could do it. Yeah, I mean, it's not just that; it's also that it you know it makes business sense for CMLL, mm-hmm. right? You talk, yeah, everyone sure. talks about it constantly. They own the building, so of course yeah. they just run there, right? Yeah. But uh, but yeah. Um, when you were talking about officially announcing, it reminded me where we talked before we started, like uh, official announcements for WrestleMania weekend. And the biggest one, obviously, being the astronauts at Bloodsport, at least for us. Right. That's the one that we're going to care the most about. Um, the astronauts going uh, having a Bloodsport match. Timothy Thatcher taking on, I was going to say Alexander Wolf, um, Axel Tischer, Jr. Axel Tischer, I was going to say Jr. That rules. Right? Pe- pe- people sick. are not yeah. going to probably be super excited for that because, you know, I'm the biggest Axel Tischer was fucking incredible before he got signed guy. And he, I, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him since he's gotten released, but he, I'm excited for that. I'm really into that. Yeah, and he's continued to be very good. So that's not, yeah, that's not a uh, a concern. Um, no there's, question. Uh, there's, oh, go ahead. Um, would you have liked to see Abe and No More versus different opponents? Or are you fine with them kind of like maybe starting uh, this as a touring match? I, I'm happy about this in this setting, especially. If it was just any other show and they just booked them i wouldn't be as into it as i am with it being blood sport you know if they're gonna do the blood sport rules you know what i mean like that's that works for me uh they're going to obviously want to show off and show out for this so it's going to be something special in that regard you know because it's unique even if even if you can argue that, like, yeah, the Fighting Detective show was intentionally a battle arts, like, tribute show, it was not as pronounced because it did not have the special rules. I think that that makes a big difference. So, yeah, I'm I'm into this. Um, and, yeah, the idea that you could tour this around, the idea that people are going to see this and then basically want to run it again, I think is pretty cool. We'll see. Hopefully it gets that kind of, you know, that kind of attention. But, yeah, like, I'm I'm fine with them them running it this this match instead of having them because i mean really who are they going to book them against right well, the thing is like i prefer them doing this over like one of them facing speedball now the other and one option of the, is, and the I, other one facing nick nemeth <laughs> I, I would like maybe one of them versus thatcher would have been cool but i'm i'm, I'm fine with this uh 
Speaking of that, the other two matches that are announced, Akira versus Matt Mikowski and Nick Nemeth versus, like versus Mike Bailey. And I'll be honest, I'm willing to give the speedball in Nemeth thing a chance. Right. I'm will I'm willing to give this a chance. Like it's it's been talked about to death it, since he's been since it was like, from his time in WWE, WWE, but we know that he was a legit, really, really high level amateur wrestler, and yes. that is a thing that clearly he didn't get to do a lot of in WWE. And he's on a show like, here and there, but yeah, yeah. some of it here and there. But like in this setting, getting booked here shows maybe there is an interest in kind of going back to those roots and displaying those skills if they're still if they're still present for him. And I like the idea on paper of a guy who's going to go in there and try to do his amateur wrestling stuff versus Bailey's Taekwondo. So, I'm willing to give it a chance. It could be complete dog shit, it could be boring, it could like it there it could just not be good, but I'm willing to give it a chance because with him being on a show like this, there has to be a level of interest in Nemeth working this style, I feel like. Nemeth has something to prove. He's Since he left WWE, he's working hard and he's going out and trying to... He's getting bookings and dates in places. He's actually trying to have good matches and he's working... He's working hard, as I said. So I'm not I'm high on this idea, this concept. I think this is great. Here's my issue. I don't think it's the best booking for him. I get where you're coming from, but we've seen people have a hard time doing a blood sport match with speedball. I've also seen it done really well. I think the one that always sticks out to my mind that I think is probably the best of speedball in this context is the Bronson Reed match. Um, Jonah, Jonah rock in WXW. Um, otherwise I think that we've seen people kind of struggle. <laughs> I mean, you could say Kota Ibushi. That's tough. Because the, the, like... the, wasn't there uh am I mistaken? There wasn't there. Was there a speedball entanglement one? There was a speedball entanglement shoot style match. I think I actually might've even been at that match. Um, now that I think about it, um and yeah it's it's kind of like it not the best or actually you know what no it was yumura it was yuya yumura and speedball that i was at um and that was fine but not great there was the koto ibushi match which was not the best um but you know it is what it is there's also again there's uh he had yeah Ambition matches with like Riddle, I thought was okay, but could have been better. Um, the Jonah Rock one is the one that stands out as I thought was really good. David Starr one was fine. Thatcher and Walter were both great with him. You know what I mean? So it's like he's had he's had some matches in this con in this style that work, but I just think that Nick Nemeth, as you talked about, it's been a while. This and that, not the best. And the first guy that pops into my head when you think about Nick Nemeth, obviously, it's a apt comparison because of their backgrounds and their careers, was like um, Johnny TV, Johnny Mundo, John Morrison, yeah. and his Bloodsport match that I thought was really fucking good. And that was with Royce Isaacs, who has a similar amateur wrestling background, right? And was able to have a good match with them. I mean, they're familiar with each other. They both live in LA. I'm sure that they trained some before they did it. 
they you know they were able to actually put something together and i think that that was kind of that should have been the kind of the proto or the prototype yeah i guess whatever you know you get what i mean that should have been kind of what you're shooting for is to is to give nick nemeth the chance to do something like that you know and i think that it would have opened a lot of people's eyes to the stuff that we talked about we know he's got a shoot background so i would have probably gone with the easy ticket let's just do this but hey maybe that's partially nemeth and also the fact that speedball is a tna impact guy yeah so they've got that connection and he wanted to do it with him you know because he's it's someone that he's seen blah 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 i could definitely see that too but to me if i'm booking it i'm booking something easy and i'm putting him i mean i would say even royce i know he's going to be in the area i would be like i'll put him with royce again so that he can have a good match with someone who can make him look good has a ton of personality looks sick you know what I mean? And can actually make it look like he does something cool or just anybody who's kind of got that amateur re- grappling background that can match up a little bit better with him. But that said, I mean, I'm still stoked for it. And then the other one, I don't know if you're fine with moving on or if you had any rebuttals to my diatribe there. Uh, no, I'm good. You can go ahead. Yeah. And then the other one with um Akira and Mikowski, I'm into that too. You know, like, Akira actually has done some some shoot styley stuff in PPW. That's pretty good. He's got a decent like MMA whatever background kind of thing too. He can actually go and obviously Mikowski is sick as hell. So I expect that to be pretty solid as well. So Bloodsport's looking good, right? There's a lot of random weird shit over WrestleMania weekend. There's like a, a fucking ECW um tribute show that's just crazy weird. There's um there's stuff that like stands out to me, like Colby Carino taking on Clint Margera. It's like just an odd one. I heard someone refer to Speedball versus uh, Paul London as Speedball versus the original Speedball, which is kind of funny because it's, it's kind of I could definitely see it, but it's also yeah, interesting yeah, it's, to say. It's, it's like like I I get I definitely get where that comes from. Yeah, it's like very similar kind of guys. Um, so yeah, there's like there's some stuff that's worth checking out, worth watching on the shows. Uh, you've got. Mikowski versus Mao on a show that also has Daniel Makabe versus Edith Surreal that also includes like uh, the Ugly Ducklings with um, White Mike filling in for uh, oh god now I can't think of his name um, the poor Ugly Duckling guy who who had a tumor recently that was removed I think he's still around but you know just not wrestling yet um, taking Lute, on Killjoy what are you talking yes, about yes it was Lude it was Lude Killjoy is oh. still wrestling yeah um, Lude, Lance Lude, uh, taking on a, a team that has Gabriel Sky, Jimmy Lloyd, and the Chad. Like, I'm high on Gabriel Sky, and the Chad is fucking sick as hell. So, like, that's, you know, that's the, the Sean Henderson show looks really good. Like, there's a ton of stuff that looks worthwhile, like, checking out, right? Um, with also a ton of just weird shit. <laughs> so, you know, there's a DDT show, there's a GCW versus, uh, GCW versus TJPW show. There's a stardom show that's like up in the air because of all of the stuff that's going on with them. And I think to me, to you, to probably all of the violent people, Discord, website, whatever, I think like kind of the the star attraction of the weekend is Dean, right? The the big tribute show for Dean um, that has... Already, I think the main match that's announced, I think there's some other matches that are announced, but Demos taking on Mad Dog Connolly in a fucking dog collar match. Like, that's worth the price of admission as is. Then you talk about the talents that have been 
announced and you're looking at yeah like show of the weekend on paper already right like yeah and like they they have De uh, Demos and Mad Dog Connolly announced Arez versus Matt Mikowski and then for a talent announced but not booked in any booked in a match yet is Adam Priest and Yamakabe Gringo Loco Slim J so like well yeah. so like I, I I'm I'm very I'm very very excited for that but speaking of matches that got announced I, well, it just almost slipped my mind I, like didn't didn't even think about it when we were getting ready to do the show. Daniel Makabe and Zack Sabre Jr. got announced for Prestige? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> right? <That's>, uh, <laughs> that is something. That is like, you feel like you're getting so close to it, right? That's crazy. Yeah. Um. I mean, I guess, like, we can say that, like, we know that this was a thing that was attempted before. Like. Sure, sure. Like, or at least, or at least was a thought. Like, at least was a thought, like, you know, like, we'd like to see this happen. It made sense with Dan's current trajectory. So it was like a thing that we would have liked to see happen. And it's so funny that seven years, seven, six years later that we're here. That's kind of fucking crazy. Yeah. But yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it, that is absolutely nuts. It, uh, it doesn't, it feels like not real, but also absolutely real and just such a cool thing. Um, you know, there's like weird tie-ins to retirement year, wrestling Zack Sabre Jr. to other famous Dans that are having their retirement year in wrestling Zack Sabre Jr. that we'll talk about later. Um, so yeah, it's just a lot, um, a lot to that. Very exciting, very interesting. So like, um, it's to yeah. the point where legitimately i looked up flights to portland right like i actually like looked at flights to portland and the and one of the main reasons is because it's prestige you know they're bringing in zach and i know it's important and i know that like because of like the last few years he's put in that dan is super respected but i'm not sure how much time they'd give that match and that's the thing that it was like mm, i'm not sure because, because like, right, I'm with them working like a 17, 18 minute match or whatever. But if I go there and they work like 10 minutes and like it didn't really feel like much of anything, I'd be pretty upset. Right. So that's kind of thing that like stopped me. But it was to the point where I saw that announcement and I legit considered, I do I want to go fly to see this? Because <laughs> this is like the Quentin match that I wanted for the last half of the decade in the 2010s. Yeah. Like, this is the match I wanted, and it's finally happening. Yeah, you got me doing the same thing, too, because when you messaged me saying, are you going to go, I it hadn't even crossed my mind. Um, And then I, I was looking it up, too. And it's not it's not out of the question, but it's similar to the stuff that you said. It's like, if 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 Prestige had, had treated Dan Makabe in a way over the years that made it feel like they respected him, to where I knew that I could count on this to be something, you know what I mean? But it's tough to it's tough to see that because you go like, okay, you're gonna bring in Zack Saber Jr. That's probably not cheap. You're not gonna then like not let him have you know do something worthwhile. And you know the best guy to put him with is Dan Makabe. So it's just kind of like, okay, expect something. But then also it's it's like it's prestige. So who knows? And and the way that they booked Dan so sporadically and barely at all, um, it's just yeah. I'm also just seeing that 
Kanosuke Takeshita showed up at the West Coast Pro Show that's happening right now as we're recording that I uh, had thought about going to earlier. Um, but it sounds like he just showed up to save Chris Hero from a beatdown from Los Suavecitos. So that's uh, pretty interesting. Dan, <laughs> cool. Dan's matches on Prestige so far have been versus Charlie Haas. He was in the Cascadia Which Cup. Which is good. Yeah. Yeah, faced uh, Artie and Cody. And Cody Chun in the Cascadia Cup and phase Vinny Massaro. So yeah. he's a guy that is used and I think is resp- I'm just not sure. Like Dan versus Zach is like a really big match to right. me at least. And I'm not I guess it depends on what else what else they have announced for the show. Like if this is yeah. like some real big event where they're having a bunch of people coming in type of thing like oh this is, yeah, this is Roseland. this is a seven year anniversary show right right yeah so they just the, announced another talent that was kind of a big one too oh no it was not it was they announced well they announced leo they announced leo rush they've got kevin blackwood versus uh, Musafa ali. ali yeah like yeah but, but, but looking at who else they have on here they have like tyler breeze announced clark connors david finley fandango yeah. gabriel kid trisha dora uh, so that should be the main event, right? Like, right. That should be the main event. Is Zach Saber Jr. You know, <laughs> it's Zach. I think I could see Ali though. I could see Kevin Blackwood and Ali being the main event. But yeah, that's entirely possible. So that's very possible. Yeah. If I'm booking it, you know. Oh my! I just realized that they've got. They don't just have Breeze. They've got Breeze and Dango. They're gonna. Yeah. They're gonna do the fashion police. Oh, they are gonna do. You think the fashion. they're gonna have them as a? Do you think they're gonna have them as a tag team, or do you think they're gonna have them wrestle each other? I think I think it might be. I think that might be the fashion police. Yeah, I think they're gonna have them be a tag team. Yeah, because they call it Dirty Breeze. They actually announce them as a team. So, what do you? Hmm. And then you've got the War Dogs being announced as a trios. So it does kind of go like, okay, what the fuck are we? What are we doing here? Yeah, you do have you so, do have Connor, you do have Connors, Finley, and Gabe Kid. Yeah, huh. which is interesting. I could see them doing something like the War Dogs versus um, C Four and Sonico, right? Yeah, I could see them doing something like that. Okay, yeah, that makes sense, right? Whatever. Um, like it would be fine. And then it's like, who do you do with Breeze? You do like you know the whatever dirty, <laughs> dirty Breeze. You have them wrestle like Midnight Heat or something. I don't even know what other tag team. You put in there, uh, West Coast Wrecking Crew, maybe you know, like something like that. Um, oh hell, maybe even Suavecitos. So yeah, yeah it's just kind of like, you know, there's a lot of stuff you could do there. But I look at it, and yes, the the, oh, the you thing could, oh, is, what if, oh, oh, what if you did? Uh, oh, you could do Fashion Police versus Icky and Travis Williams. Oh yes, yes, Center and Saint. That'd be perfect. That would be perfect. That would be an interesting match for sure. Um. And play into like their whole their whole gimmick, right? Alex um, she- Alex Shelley is also the champ and doesn't have a match announced, so I'm sure that'll be Leo. Leo Rush. Yeah, I think it'll be Alex Shelley and Leo. <sighs> yeah, Ali and Ali and Shelley's right. Fucking oh god, I know I, that's what I would book. I just realized this. God yeah. damn it, Ali. I mean, yeah. Shelley is right there. It's right there. <laughs> It's so close. Oh, yeah, I know. But obviously God. that's not what they're going to book. 
I wonder if Trisha Dora ends up doing the show. What like, you say she that? got announced. What's that? What's making you say that? She got announced, but um, I've heard that she got pulled from shows recently. Uh, and I just don't know if AEW is there wanting to like have her be a little bit more exclusive. Okay. All right. So we'll see. Um, they do have Aubrey. They announced Aubrey Edwards. It would be interesting to find out that they are going to pull Trish and Aubrey Edwards was like a replacement. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I wouldn't even argue that Aubrey is not a bigger draw for prestige in the Pacific Northwest than Trish is, if we're being honest, right? Because hmm. Aubrey is, you know, she's a homegrown. She's very popular in the Pacific Northwest, even as a referee, you know. So, yeah, I I think it comes down to you already you brought up the champion. I don't even know that they would even care about the idea that like the champion wouldn't main event. But I do think that there's a good chance that Blackwood and Ali main events over Zach and, and Makabe. Yeah, that's entirely yeah. Um I guess I guess I guess we'll see. But yeah. Yeah, Zach Zach and Den for me has been like the dream match for me. Right. For the last however many years. And then Getting to have that match on during his last year is really fucking crazy to me, and not something I expected at all to happen. So I'm just I'm just beyond excited that it's a thing. So I can't I can't wait for that. Yeah, it feels it feels interesting because now I've got like a lot of stuff coming up this year that I'm planning on doing like traveling wise later in the year. I had like one of my best friends just messaged me last night about going to going to a concert with him at, towards the end of the year. I've already got some other traveling plans. So I'm just kind of like, can I throw in a last minute trip to Portland for this? And then the tickets are on are like, they're almost completely sold out of like seats. So I'm kind of like, okay, do I want to, do I want to fly to Portland to get standing room tickets? I don't know. Um, So yeah, it's just kind of, eh, but we'll see. I, I may, I may just like, on a whim decide to just go for it because it is very exciting um and it would also be very funny to fly up to portland and have the first match that i see dan wrestle live against zach saber jr but you know um either way we're talking about the pacific northwest we're talking about you know dan makabe um we should talk about these new matches right um what did you I guess to just start with it, talking about Dan. What did you think about Artie and, and Dan NEW match? Uh, it was a little frustrating because I didn't look I didn't look at the length of the video before I watched it. I just saw, oh, it got posted, da, 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 like I'm gonna play it on the TV. And immediately I could kind of tell by the pace they were going at. I was like, huh, this is really fast like they're kind of cramming stuff in are, are they not getting that much time and i was kind of watching it thinking the match would slow down at some point and it never did and then they're like very much into the closing sequence and i was like oh okay that's that's fine a six minute or whatever dan and Artie match is still a good match and there's nothing wrong with matches being short, but it's just you could tell 
that they weren't getting very much time. And I love watching those two wrestle each other. So I would love if they got to have 12 minutes, 13 minutes or something like that. But I thought it was still solid, very firmly the least of the matches I've ever seen them have. But I understand it's a tournament. It probably wasn't meant to be uh, the great match of the tournament. And we'll get to what was probably was booked to be the great match of the tournament in a second. But I I enjoyed it. I just was caught off guard because I didn't even see the length of the video file. And I was like, oh, okay, that's that was short, but all right. Yeah. They had so little time, and I don't know, right? I'm not in anybody's head. I'm not, you know, I'm not getting I'm not getting Dave Meltzer having people explain um, you know, what what the thought was behind stuff in my ear. Um, so I just go based on what I watch and what I see, and I do I do wonder because the crowd was not great. Um, and I do wonder if they kind of, I hate to say this, but they kind of like were scrambled at one point and started like adding more stuff, trying to win the crowd over where I think that like, if they had, if they, cause they were going to have such a quick time and I really, really enjoy like, a lot of the technique and the and the kind of the shooty stuff that they do on the mat that like if they had just kind of stuck with that and you know i just don't think that they had a, i think that they unfortunately had a tough situation where they weren't going to win the crowd over but they could have just delivered something a little bit more solid i just felt like they did a little bit too much and if they had just like kept it a lot more basic because there was some really cool technique stuff especially from Artie, right like Artie is so fucking good like i know this is a shocking revelation to people who listen to us on podcasts but artemis spencer is like one of the just most underappreciated wrestlers that's going right now in general and for a long time people just do not talk about this guy and how good he really is at everything and it's like when you watch him doing the mat work it's just some of the best shit <laughs> for anyone who kind of does realistic MMA style grappling on the mat like the and but then also having that flavor and that flair of it still being pro wrestling you know he just recently did a kind of a little tour of Mexico um, and you can kind of see some of the way that like he has updated and transitioned some of the like Yave style into MMA style grappling that he's always been good at um, so yeah like the way he rolls into like a, 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 into a triangle, the way that he kind of, yeah, the way that he kind of picks and the transitions from, from hold to hold is just so smooth and beautiful and unique and interesting and looks like it hurts and looks real. Um, he really had, I loved like Artie's like kind of stiff upper lip stance throughout the entire thing. He was very like, very, uh, had a certain resolve to everything he was doing. Um, he's also clean shaven, which he's not always clean shaven sometimes when he does that he can look a little bit more stern um so yeah and obviously dan dan is so good like when he grabs you know he does the leg locks when he grabs the figure four he also you know pulls onto the knee at a certain angle it just makes it unique and makes it looks like it's even more brutal but yeah i just felt like they kind of they added in a little bit too much to me they added in a little bit too much high spots whereas i think if you just kept it a little bit more simple um i liked the story that they told in the commentary did a good job of telling, helping them tell the story where it's like once Artie finally does hit a 
a top rope move that's kind of the finish. So it's like, okay, Artie is kind of known as, as being able to fly. As I talk about how much I love him as a grappler, he is also known as a flyer. And it's, you know, once these two who are really evenly matched when it came to striking and grappling and going back and forth, but then once Artie was able to go to the sky, that's kind of the part of the game that he has that Dan can't compete with. And even though he only hits one big spiral tap, that ends the match. Um, so I did really appreciate that. And I just, but I do at the same time kind of go like, I could have done without it. I could have done without any of the big drop kicks. I could have done without the big top rope move. And I could have just had the match because there were going to have so little time have just been a lot more purely grappling, you know, and, and even dropped some of the striking, even if there was a lot of good striking. Um, follow that up. Like you said, we're going to get to the, the match that was clearly meant to be the, uh, the big match of the, of the tournament. Uh, Travis Williams versus Casey Ferreira. No, um, this was really good. Did you check that one out as well? No, I didn't check that one out. But I, but I, but you're saying it's solid, so I'll probably give it, I'll probably go back yeah. for it. I'd give it a watch. Travis is really good. Travis Travis does the figure eight as the finish, which I really appreciate. Um, Travis is since he recently shaved his head and kind of the way that he's wrestling really really aggressively on the mat um primarily in singles matches it's kind of like the center and saint slash sovereign thing is what he does on more of the bigger shows and it's kind of what's you know getting noticed team the stuff teaming with icky and um i'm like so confused because i'm looking at a picture of the guy and it says his name is evan rivers here but i swear that's not the name that he uses in other promotions but maybe it is um but kind of the teams with icky and evan rivers and christopher daniels um is uh is like very different than kind of what he's been doing recently in the single stuff and i i hate to say this because it's really really a high bar but he's reminding me of like super early Brian Danielson. Um, just raw and aggressive and kind of there's something there where it's that like it's that nature that just seems very vicious and violent um, that you don't necessarily get out of a lot of people. And it's it's so crazy to see it out of someone like Travis Williams now, because unlike Danielson, who basically had that from the beginning, I guess there was the American Dragon stuff early on, but, you know, so much sooner. Um, just kind of took to it instantly. Like, I remember this guy doing like kind of a, a like almost came across like a knockoff of fucking uh, uh, Sammy Guevara. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he came across yeah. like he was doing he, like a bad. For sure, like yeah. he like Pacific Northwest Sammy Guevara was kind of like how he felt. Yeah. And now he's kind of transitioned into this thing where he's just he's just so much more aggressive and physical and violent and everything he does looks snug. Everything he does looks like like it actually hurts, as I said. Like it looks like fight. Um, so yeah, he just again shaving the head, kind of the vibe, you know, being from the Pacific Northwest, it's hard to not like for me to start to kind of see a little Danielson. I'm not saying that he's, you know, as good. And like I said, that's a really hard bar, really, really high bar to set for someone. But I just would say, you know, keep your eye on Travis. Um, not that you wouldn't be anyways, and most people are, right? Um, but yeah, the match that I think you were actually talking about when you're saying the match that was supposed to be the kick-ass match, and you, I talk about physicality and violence and things looking tough, uh, Judas Icarus taking on Nicole Matthews and Quentin, I'll let you, uh, cause I just was blathering on about a match you didn't see. I'll let you give your thoughts on this one first. Yeah, no, I thought this was really, really great. I, 
loved the intense intensity from the two of them as soon as the match started and you feel that throughout the entire duration of it it's crisp it's a little nasty there's some petty stuff and i don't know i love i love everything about it i think it's just really really fun to watch and yeah it's 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 awesome it's really really good and seeing how good nicole is still obviously though it's just not shocked anybody but also seeing that icky still remains one of the more underrated guys in wrestling i think because he is better than if i have to do the comparison thing we know that he's better than nick wayne but we also know why <laughs> nick wayne is yeah. where he is and that's fine i'm not i'm not mad at that sure but it's Judas Icarus is just so extremely talented and he can be this sort of shitty, really jock with a lot of frenetic energy type of guy as a heel, or he can also be really likable as a baby face. And I'm still very, very, very high on what I think Judas Icarus can be. And Nicole Matthews just proves that given opportunities and more eyes and people just recording the footage and having more promotions around that she's just one of the more talented wrestlers of her era. And it's just a shame that in a lot of that time, people weren't paying attention or there weren't a lot of people that could, that were posting stuff from the Pacific Northwest or there weren't a lot of promotions or anything like that. And I'm glad that we can have stuff like this that showcases how good she is and the sort of stuff that we missed out on from lack of footage and access. Yeah, I mean, you talked about, you you know, you list a lot of reasons why we didn't get to see a ton of great Nicole Matthews. And one of the things that we didn't get to see or why we didn't get to see a ton of great Nicole Matthews is lack of opponents. And that's why it's like, it's so funny now to watch her in the Pacific Northwest and be like, well, she had to just train people to be good enough to wrestle her. Like that, then that's like when you watch her. That's actually that great. Like the people, the people that she's wrestling, she a lot of them she's had a hand in training, and yes. now she finally has good wrestlers to face because she trained them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's where we're getting to now, where it's like, okay, she finally can show. But her, I've, I think I've said it before, but I really do think there's something here, and this is another one. I don't fucking know these people. I really don't know their background, any of that stuff. But Judy and Nicole. I feel are so similar personality wise or something where they just click together in a way that it's like, it's that thing, right? It's like, you don't hit anybody harder than your best friend because when Nicole gets in there with Icarus, there's just something to, she puts so much more onto it. She just feels so much more violent. She's dismissive and shitty. She's aggressive. And it's just, I could just tell there's something there where like they connect in a way that brings out the best in her. Um, against again against jude against icarus here like she's just so much again more physical more violent just brutal domineering just she's so great with judas and icarus is phenomenal as well obviously you talked about how talented he is and yeah i mean he's really starting to hit his stride again it felt like post-pandemic it was a little shaky everyone had such a hard time because they took so much time off but he's really back to where he was at when we were first talking about him. And you talk about the Nick Wayne thing and it is tough because he's, he's very short. He's a, a small guy 
but he can wrestle big and he can also wrestle small. Um, he doesn't, he really does not wrestle small that often because I think you have to, he probably, it is kind of tough because when you are that size, you don't really want to, you know, show it too glaringly, but he can, um, but he can also wrestle much bigger than he actually is. And I mean, you talking about like, <laughs> oh, we all know he's better than Nick Wayne. Like that shit doesn't even cross my mind. I'm like, that's a fucking given. Like, I don't even think like I'm at the level where like the only time I really ever think about the like comparison thing is like a Titus Alexander. I'm like, you know, that's like my guy where I'm like, like, God, Titus is better than Nick Wayne. Why is Nick the one who gets signed? Like Judas, it's like it's just a fucking other planet. It doesn't even I don't even think of them in the same fucking breath because Judas is like actually great, you know, and and Nick Wayne is just like. I guess fine sometimes he's getting better. I mean, we're getting to the point where sometimes I'm kind of like Jordan Oliver might be better than Nick Wayne. Like, I, you know, I, I, I hate to even say that, but like, I'm, I'm almost to that point sometimes, but he did have a, he was pretty good in that trios match. So I shouldn't completely dunk on him or, you know, hate on him, whatever. Either way, this match is what we're talking about, which was, it was sick. It definitely, everyone should go out of their way to check it out. Um, And yeah, when you're talking about something that like, I hate to compare it to the Artie and Dan match, but something that, you know, obviously they had more time. So that helps. Uh, they were actually given a chance to do something there, but I mean, they had less time than Travis and, and Ferrara. Um, but I just think that they were able to do, they were able to do a lot more and have it work. Um, I think part of it too, is like, they didn't really have a ton of, you know, technical wrestling. It was a lot more of just like, go 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 but they were both really good at it and they were able to do it in a way where it still kind of felt like there was a narrative through it and that was it was still actually like something you know it didn't feel like um like just a, a spot fest right even though it like kind of did just have a lot of spots um either way is there any other odds and ends you want to hit before we uh talk about new beginning um sure i guess Which we're just... not gonna sort of like thing, go basically. through whatever like stuff that i did watch that wasn't that that i felt like was a little notable at least like worth mentioning i caught the second night of jersey jacob i watched i watched a few matches uh the astronauts in gresham the astronauts versus gresham and bailey i thought was better than the violence forever match to be honest i did like that i match. Didn't want to have to say it, so thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> yeah, I, I did like that more than the Bounce Forever match. Um, Alec Price and Joey Janela was very solid. That was a good match. I'm telling um, you. I'm telling so, you. I'm telling everyone. Alec Price is actually so, so good. Here's so here's the thing where I realized with Price, right? He is a much better wrestler as a babyface. But right. when you look at him, how he, he looks, talks. everything yeah. he should be a he, and I, and I think that's the thing that leaves him in a weird spot for me, because I thought he like he was really good here. Like he actually like he does his spots really well. He can do like a fucking seven twenty DDT and like it looks good. It's it looks solid for him. And some of the like rebound off the rope stuff looks a little goofy, and I, and I don't like how he does it and sets it up. But otherwise, I think a lot of his offense looks pretty solid, but everything else about him screams heel. And when he tries to wrestle as a heel, I don't think that works. No. So I feel like he's a guy that's just kind of in that no man's land of where exactly do you fit in? So 
I think he's very talented. I do think he's a very talented guy. But I think it's just I'm still like, I don't know exactly where you fit in. But Alec Price, Joey Janela, that was solid. And my match that I adore, that like I went three and three fourths on it, but I might even go higher. I loved Matt Mikowski versus Masha Sandovich. I thought that was fucking oh, yeah. great. I love that match. Like, I really, really, really like that match. If anyone didn't watch it, you know, during the course of these shows or whatever, I got to say skipping it, but go back for it. Masha and Matt Mikowski is really fucking awesome. Yeah, and they actually, I believe, have wrestled in the past and had a, a pretty good match. I think, like, Camp Leapfrog, they had a, uh, yeah, they had a, uh, a match in Beyond on yeah on Beyond TV and uh, in the in the yeah. Slack jokingly I called it is they called it the best Uncharted territory match of the year. Yeah, and it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, um, yeah. Those those two they have like <laughs> sneaky good chemistry. Um, you know they they're there's there's something there for sure. Masha is really good, and we'll get to see more of Masha in like a. Uh, shoot setting because she's part of the women's the one night women's tournament on uh, blood sport coming up and i think that was kind of the thing that made me really get into her to begin with i was already kind of digging her but then seeing kind of that she did like the you know the siberian street fight with edith surreal that was really good but then i got to see her live doing a blood sport and that was like okay yeah i really i'm really into this girl and then she kind of blew up after that and the whole world was talking about how great she was you know um but anyways did i did i interrupt Oh no! Oh no! Good. That was it for like that stuff, and then I caught up on Kyushu Pro. Um, I watched the Dasukimoto versus Kodai Nozaki title switch. It was a good match. Just it's solid, but something up your alley more would be the Hitamaru Sasaki and Kodi Yamada versus Masashi Takeda and Minoru Fujita. I think that would be yeah. up your alley. Uh, Minoru Fujita doesn't really add anything to the match, but when you have Sasaki, Yamada, and Takeda. It's hard for the match to not at least be good still. So it's still very watchable. And I did watch Hitamar Sasaki versus Naoki Sakura, um, Sakurajima from the show before that. And that was good as well. And that'd be something that I think you like even more than this tag match. So yeah, for you, you should check out those Hitamar Sasaki matches. I watched Mio Momono versus Yuri from Gambari Pro. That was very good too. Mio Momono was. Her floor is one of the highest in wrestling. So any random match of hers that you can see, that you can find, it's probably yeah. worth watching because Mio Momono is just really that good. And then from Dynamite, the Orange Cassidy versus Taven and Moxley versus Dax are both really good. But as as great as Moxley's been the last five years, he still has moments where his strikes are just really glaringly not good still. And that's okay because for the most part, he's gotten better at that or he does things that can like hide those weaknesses. But working this match with Dax, where that's one of the things that Dax is best at, like how good his punches are, his chops, all that stuff, Dax is really, really good at that. It's glaring how not good at it that Mox is. And... It just stuck out to me a lot during that match, which sucks because I like that match a lot. I think it's very, very, very good. But 
it was just super noticeable for me watching how crisp and loud and good looking all of Dax's strikes are. And meanwhile, Mox is like paintbrushing a guy with a chop. So that 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 was my one little nitpick, and I thought the Arch Cassidy and Taven was super fun. Yeah, um, yeah, Taven and, and Orange Cassidy was like definitely well worth a watch, checking out, watching, and all that. Um, Mox is a weird one for me because I, I, I don't, I won't argue with you and other people that I hear talk about like his strikes being weak, but I for some reason I just never notice it, and I think it's primarily just because i'm so bought into him and his aura that like i you know i'm not blinded oh he can do no wrong but i watch mox and he to me he comes across so so dangerous and and so violent and so scary that like i just feel like i i rarely like i get caught up in the moment and i don't like see him having weak strikes you know Um, it's it's, it's not a thing that usually happens but did you, and you saw this match, right? Yes. It's just Dax is so good in it. True. Like, yeah. Like that, I think that's the thing. Is Mox is great doing his Mox thing here, but as they're having this tough guy square off where they're throwing punches and doing chops, it's just so noticeable how much better Dax's punches and chops are. And for the most part, when I'm watching Moxley, it doesn't cross my mind. Like when I'm watching, say, like Moxley versus Eddie Kingston, even though Kingston's better at that stuff, it's not really crossing my mind. Even if, even when it's a thing that's like being played up on the commentary, because when they'll do the commentary, they'll say Eddie Kingston is a much more proficient striker than John Moxley, but John Moxley can do whatever, and they'll play into that story. But watching Dax versus Moxley and seeing how much better Dax is at that stuff than Moxley. It just stood out more than usual. So that's all. I think that this match in particular, yeah. that match in particular, it just stood out a lot for me. Yeah, I again, I can't argue with you on that. Um, for, yeah, quick roundup. I, uh, I'm sure that none of those people who I was talking about on the on the recent podcast that got clipped and and put on posted online as a, a video uh have done their homework and followed up on MLW burning crush um but uh that just popped up and uh, it was the return of Mads Kruger that I was talking about last week against Jacob Fatu and again it was fine I would not say like oh definitely go out of your way to watch it um I would recommend checking out uh, Tom Lawler and Matthew Justice, the whatever the fuck they call the unit, and I can't think of it, it's like Titan Titan Sports conglomerate or something weird like that. It's the W. It's meant to be like a WWE invasion team that Tom Lawler is part of with MSL and Josh Bishop in MLW is incredibly fun, and it's really fun to watch Tom kind of do his because Tom is a goofy motherfucker and he likes you know acting. He likes this kind of stuff and. Obviously, he's much better at like doing shooty shoot and and being like the MMA guy, but it's also nice to see him um, get to you know play up the the whatever. And he doesn't it doesn't really hurt his match quality. He still basically wrestles pretty much like Tom, but he still gets he gets to play it up a little bit and be goofy. Um, I wouldn't recommend the match on this show. Um, for love do you know love doug are you familiar with the the character i I am not 
Okay. Love Doug is like a, a Northeast guy. I think he started in Limitless. He gets booked around in uh, Beyond and Wrestling Open and stuff. People kind of will use him as a, a punchline. He does some goofy. He did some goofy storyline stuff with like Alley Catch and things. But over the past couple months, he's gotten like trimmed down and is in like really good shape. He's clearly kind of taking the wrestling side of stuff a little bit more seriously and not just being like a gimmick comedy guy. Um, and as I said, I wouldn't necessarily recommend checking out his match on that show. Um, but I would recommend if people go back to like late January and check out a match that he had with Ryan Clancy, who is a guy who's kind of on the watch list. And I would say like Love Doug, as I said, is kind of a, you know, oh, it's fun and funny to like make fun of him guy. But like he does have he actually feels like he's trying to be a decent wrestler and he's got some personality and he's pretty fun. Um, so, yeah, I would just say, you know, check some check that out and be open. That's the thing that gets me is the people who just like see someone and then they write them off and then they're like, oh, I'm never going to watch them again. And it does kind of fit into something that maybe we'll talk about in the in the beyond or the new beginning review is like, I really like the people who kind of will tell you that like, oh, I should just say it like Osprey to be like, oh, everyone who wrote off Will Osprey in, you know, 2014 and just never changed their mind and paid attention to the fact that he got better. Like a lot of the people that you'll hear say something like that will also like do the same thing to someone like Love Doug and be like, oh, he's garbage and just not pay attention to that he's good. Or or Bobby Orlando be like, oh, he's got the fucking goat. It's he's so goofy. But actually, then they watch the match and they go, you know, he's actually pretty good, you know. Um, so just always have an open mind. Don't like write somebody off just because you, you know, think whatever about him to begin with. Um, and speaking of writing things off without, you know, having an open mind, Quentin, it brings me absolutely zero pleasure to say this. But I have been watching, I have been following, I've referenced it here and there. I have to say, Wrestling Revolver is cooking. Ever I, since... So here's, here's Go ahead. Is that Wrestling Revolver has just not been anything... I might just keep saying it, like, again, I've never acknowledged mm-hmm. that as a real place. I can't blame you. So it's like, so, so I, don't even have, I don't even have any, any actual opinions on Wrestling Revolver, because... I have never acknowledged its existence. <laughs> it's the purest Sammyverse promotion, which is very funny because over the years, all promotions have basically died as soon as Sammy Callahan got any kind of influence. You know what I mean? But like the purest pure, this is just Sammyverse promotion somehow is the best thing that he's ever been involved in, in when it comes to booking. And mind you, it's gotten much better since Moxley has like gotten involved and Moxley is like a big part of putting the shows together. Right. But like legit, the most recent wrestling revolver show, it's called what a show. And like, it just kind of showed up online within the past couple days. It's got some fucking bangers on it. You remember that guy? I sent you the gif and I was talking about how people should be booking this guy, brick savage. Well, they booked him. Yeah. They booked him against Jake something. They did. They tried to book the perfect oh. mean guy match. Um, It did not quite deliver at like the fantasy because on paper, that sounds like Jesus fucking Christ. These two meat monsters are going to just destroy each other. It was under 10 minutes. It was violent. It was brutal. But, you know, I was expecting Mortal Kombat come alive 
fatality. Someone was going to rip someone's spine out of their back, right? And it just, you can't actually have that happen in a real wrestling match. Um, otherwise, there was uh, Brian Keith versus Mansoor. I mean, it, it was a good sign to see that Mansoor might actually have something and is going to go on the indies. You know what I mean? He's not going to just be a WWE guy who just cashes checks. But the big thing, the main event, and the real reason why I pay attention to Pro Wrestling Revolver in 2022, 2023, and 2024, probably, honestly, eh, I would say that far back, um, Marina Shafir versus Matja Slamovich. They have been long-term booking Marina super strong. These two, as I talked about just a little bit ago, I saw them have a match in Bloodsport shoot style that was really great. They have incredible chemistry with each other, and they've been booking kind of these two in a subtle feud, humming in the background for a long time. And they fight each other in, you know, nearly like seven. It says 740 here. Like it felt like five minutes that goes to a uh, a no contest, wild, chaotic, double DQ kind of brawl thing um, and just absolutely fucking whips ass. Marina Shafir is so cool in Wrestling Revolver. I, I absolutely think that like I don't understand why they can't get her to, you know, do this in other places. Masha, obviously, is just, she's Russian Dynamite. She's so great in these kind of settings. So, yeah, definitely recommend taking the time to go check that out. Um, like I said, something in Savage, Brick Savage, is worth, like, looking for just to see what's going on with Savage. Because I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying that it's hard to, uh, you know, live up to the expectation of something like that. And what is, what is the PWR show? There's Revolver? Yes, this is Wrestling Revolver. What a show. Um, so let's talk quickly. Quickly. Okay, hold, hold, <laughs> we'll hold. run through. Oh, hold on. Uh, I have one oh, more. Um, oh, yeah, sure. So did you watch any of the Noah Limit Break show? No, no. I really wanted to because that... Did you watch it? Because it's got some sick shit on there. Yeah, I watched everything other than the opener. Uh, and that was talking about Chinoku versus High 69. Uh, okay. I watched every I watched everything else though. Uh, it was a, it was a solid okay. show. It's actually like it's pretty it's a pretty good show. Shuji Ishikawa versus Yu Awada is like you know it's Ishikawa versus a young boy. It's exactly what you think it looks like, and that was really really fun. I even like Sakamoto versus Kazushi Sakuraba, and them just kind of having their weird match. I enjoyed it. I have okay. Hold on, <laughs> sorry. Before you move on, I have to because this has been bouncing around in my head for like weeks, and I, I honestly forever, but I just I have to say it. Do you remember the um the New Japan rap? You know the guy who did the like New Japan fan rap. Do you yes. remember this? Okay, there is a line in the New Japan fan rap that always haunts me, and I just constantly think about it. And it's the part where he says. And who's this Suzuki guy that's choking Sakuraba, right? And I get that it's like just, it's rap, but like, and he's just like doing a song, right? His lyrics. But who is the person who's a new fan of New Japan who just found out about it, who knows who Sakuraba so, is? Who knows Sakuraba, but doesn't know Suzuki. But has, <laughs> yeah, has no concept of who Suzuki is. Like that part, it drives me up a fucking wall. Anyways, continue. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I don't think he meant it that way, but like, but yeah, for sure, it's, it's a weird way to do a line like that. Um, because yeah, Sakuraba and Sekimoto 
is fun is fun for what it is. It's Kazushi Sakuraba in twenty twenty four, and for that matter, it's also Daisuke Sakimoto in twenty twenty four. But it's actually pretty fun. I'll tell you surprisingly, right? So the match that's getting the most buzz on here is Saito and Fujita versus Bakabe and Hanma because it was just really fun and guys beating, beating the shot of each other and everything like that, right? The best match on this show is actually Muhammad Yone versus Masato Tanaka. I I want to believe you. I really look, do. Look, dude. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what to tell I'm you. Surprised yeah. too. I'm surprised too. But Yone and, and Masato Tanaka is actually really good. I thought that was super fun. And then, you know, really good is I had it at three and a half. So I'm not saying it's like match of the year contender or anything like that, anything like that but Yone versus Masato Tanaka was actually really fun, I thought. Uh, the Fujita and Saito versus Great Bash Heel, as I mentioned, was really good too. It's going to get the most attention on there. Uh, you got the DDT guys. You got Endo and Higuchi, most notably, showing up there. And you're going to have a tag match with Higuchi and Black... Yes, Black Menso, Black Black Menso something versus Black Menso Ray. I think, I think, and Fujita, and Ko, I think it's Fujita and the Koge, and yeah. Kotoge. Yeah, um, I was trying to find that because I was looking at the card right now because I was like, oh, I want to watch the show, and I remember that there was Haguchi teaming with Black Menso Ray, and I was like, that's not on this show. Yeah, no, that, yeah, yeah, that's, no, that's, a, that's the, the next that's one. Gonna be, that's gonna be the that's gonna be like the next Limit Break show whenever they do yeah. that. Um, and then it's Akiyama and Nagata versus Kotoge, Kotoge and Goshiozaki. It goes 30 minutes and it's real slow. It can be a little bit, a bit of a slog, but I thought that it was still pretty good. I can understand if someone just doesn't want to waste their time with it or isn't into it, but I still thought it was pretty good. So yeah, that, that limit break shows pretty solid. It's no, it was, it's not a waste of time at all. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely need to check it out. From what I've heard, it's like, it's like, um, the Magic Monday shows, but if they were doing them as like quarterly specials instead of like weekly TV, so it's kind of interesting. Um, and uh, I'm gonna have to check this one out. I've been I meant to, but I didn't get to it. So thank you for reminding me. Um, all right, <laughs> now we'll do New Beginning, but it's gonna be a very abbreviated New Beginning uh review, and basically just an excuse to say that um. Voices of wrestling are frauds, cowards, and liars. Um, no, um, I mean they are, but that's not really what we're going to talk about. Um, is there anything from the undercard that you care about before even? I mean, I barely even care to talk about Tanahashi and Okada. I feel like, anyways, before I get into that, anything from the opening like multi-man tag matches that you care to even talk about? Brother, I watched three. I watched three matches on here. That is the correct move. And honestly, if we're going to be honest, I would say the real smart move was to watch two matches on this show. Um, because Okada and Tanahashi, I feel like I was saying that this match was cooked and not worthwhile a long time ago. Um, and I feel like people have finally come around to it. Like the last two matches, they've been like, yeah, there's there's nothing left here. And I've been, like I said, I've been saying it even before that. Just like these guys, they don't really have anything behind this anymore. Um, I won't even say that they're necessarily bad. Um, like I'm not saying Tanahashi is cooked. Other people, for some reason, feel like they have to say that. 
Um, I don't think it's true. I mean, he is definitely getting old and slow, but psychology-wise, he can still deliver big matches. I just feel like that these two don't really care and don't really put in a ton of effort because they don't need to because they have a legendary rivalry that is going to draw based on its own, so they don't really have to do anything against each other, and they just like kind of go through the motions. Um, I don't know. Did you have any thoughts on this one? Did you? Are you the one person who liked it? I liked it more than you for sure. Um, I didn't think it was great or anything, but I'm also into just my favorite rivalry of all time. But go go out there and play the hits. It's gonna be the last time, the more like the last singles match these two ever have against each other. I was more than fine with them with them playing the hits. There's even something I liked where when Okada kind of starts getting booed in Osaka. Which it was a funny turn because Okada comes out and they're super loud with the Rainmaker chants and everything like that. And you kind of see Okada sort of tearing up a little bit, even in his entrance. So for them to kind of turn on him and him embracing the booze, I thought was fun. And it's very much playing the greatest hits, but the crowd was into it. It's my favorite in-ring rivalry ever. And for me, like even the post-match was it was it, it it was a cool post match and was like even kind of got me like Okada crying on the lion mark, uh, trying to like he just completely broke down there. It was it was it was cool it was cool to see and has this match really delivered anything super high level since their stuff from Destruction in twenty eighteen or even their G one match from that year? No, of course not. That was the last great Okada Tanahashi stuff. But I still thought this was like a good match, and it's definitely elevated by the context of you know this might be the last time we see these guys wrestle each other this way and stuff like that. But I get you just kind of like being like uninterested in the match itself. Yeah, and uh, I don't know you're talking about embracing the booze. I mean, we're not even there yet. Uh, we have to wait until Okada gets to America before he <laughs> really embraces the booze. Um, hanging out with Chucky e. T and Trent, you know he's going to be killing some brain cells. Um. And obviously, like I said, there's only two matches to watch on this card, so it was the next one, the IWGP Tag Team Title Match, Bullet Club of Chase Owens and Kenta taking on Gorillas of Destiny. Um, clearly, match of the night. Um, no, you know what's crazy about this match? And like you said, I'm sure you did not watch it. Kenta cut his hair and was actually bringing it and seems like, weirdly, Kenta is trying to wrestle again? And not bad, right? Not, but so, like. So I have a question. Go ahead. Have you watched any of the Kenta Defy World Title Run? I have, and I what can you tell me about match with Hero? Yeah, what, what can, not what can much. You not There's much. Not okay. much there. Okay. Yeah, I would not recommend going out of your way to like check any of it out. Um, it was a lot of the same stuff that he was doing with the never uh, championship. Like not, he was not, he's not putting anything extra into the defy title ring. Um, he's got the match with Luke Jacobs in that's in OTT, um, which I should have not even watched. I shouldn't have even given it the time of day to pretend like I care, but I did because I like Luke Jacobs and, Fuck you know, again, like I said, fuck OTT. Um, but yeah, like that was pretty solid. And otherwise, not a ton, not a ton worth checking out. He hasn't had a lot of matches. So yeah, like, I'm just like there's a 
thirty minute Mark Haskins match that got done at the Electric Ballroom. <laughs> it's okay. There's yeah. a thirty. There's a thirty four minute Joey Janela match. Nope. It's uh, it's very bad. God very damn. very very bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's just yeah. He's not doing anything in Defy that's worth watching. He's not really doing much in America in general that's worth watching. He had a few matches in Impact, right? Nothing good. The match with Josh Alexander was a substandard Josh Alexander match. Like I said, I saw him live in West Coast Pro. He was. We watched it. We talked about it. It was good for what it was. It wasn't great. Um, had a match with Dom and AIW that like nobody talked about because there's no reason to. And yeah, but like here again, cut his hair. Seems to be maybe back into it. Um, he was working really hard, not just like work-wise, but actually trying to tell a story. He was like teasing stuff and building things with Hikaleo. He wins the titles. It, it seems like either he really cares and wants to do something with Chase Owens, or he just actually like is excited about winning a main title and thinks like maybe they told him like we're gonna do something with you now, and he's like trying to get back into it. But like, yeah, he actually seems like he's trying which was pretty interesting um that said the match stunk on ice and was pointless because it had elp in it and everybody knows that elp sucks dick he's the worst um zach saber jr versus brian danielson quentin this is their what is it fourth match against each other yeah fourth match um, what did you uh what did you think about uh, this storied rivalry that <laughs> I tweeted it out, but it's like, I just think it's so funny. And I said, you know, the legend of the internet. But what I really mean is like the legend that you built that I was a part of where like everyone only knows or thinks about that first match, the two out of three falls match, which is funny because like even the people who know about that match now, just from you making the legend of that match, don't even really know about the match. They haven't watched it. They don't, they don't understand what happens. But like to the point where people don't even reference that they had a match in WXW. Yeah, the WXW match is really good. <laughs> it is good. And people don't... I saw someone tweeted me, oh, well, you can only watch that WXW match on like this one Brian Danielson uh, compilation DVD from whatever. And I'm like, well, it used to be on WXW now. It was on the High Spots Wrestling Network. You could yeah, watch like, it that, online it for years. It might still be on WXW now. It might still be on the high spots network. Um, but yeah, like that's like that's like twenty six that's like two thousand nine that's two thousand nine sixteen yeah. carat, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it is. So it's probably yeah, on there. It, it absolutely yeah. on WXW now. <laughs> yeah. Um but the part about the, the first match that I think is funny is people reference it and they say, Oh, it's a two out of three falls match. It was not a two out of three falls match. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it became one, but people don't even know the story of like that it was it was not a two out of three falls match to begin with. It turns into it. I mean, that's barely even fucking saber. That is emo hair saber. Like that is so long ago. These people don't even know. I. So yeah, it's just funny to me because now because of what you did, people know that they had this legendary match in a bar, but they've never watched it, and they just think like, oh, Danielson wanted to have a two out of three falls match. I actually heard someone say that. And I was just like, you don't even have a fucking clue what you're talking you, about. You know, you, you know what's funny is when they were playing the video, like, you know, play the graphics, Zack Sabre Jr., Brian Danielson. And I saw um I saw them playing the footage of the match. I had a I had a, I had a realization, I'm like, oh shit. 
this footage wouldn't be here if yeah. I didn't upload it. Yeah. Like this like, like this footage would not be on here if and I don't know if people know this story, but like for Trask, who I have no clue what the fuck Trask is, but me and Trask were obsessed with finding this match. And Trask found the stream a streaming service that had this match on it. And it's called I think the streaming service was still up. It's called My Fight Live. Yeah. We found it on there. The Triple X archives, there were like some triple X shows on there, right? You found the show. And we watched the show, watched that match, great match. I got Brock to record the match for me because I couldn't figure out how to screen record the match well. So I got Brock to record the match for me and I uploaded it. After I uploaded it, it got ripped for, ripped by several other wrestling uh, YouTube channels and right. they uh, started up- uploading the match themselves. But yeah, any Brian Danielson, Zack Sabre Jr. footage from that match that you see is 100% because I uploaded it. <laughs> yeah. It's just, which is funny because it was on that um, on that service, right, eventually. It wasn't on there to begin with. It came up uh, eventually. And that service also had Pro Wrestling Chaos. Um, yes. Which is, which is a promotion that has some solid matches, too. So... You know, if they still exist, people, you know, you can subscribe to them and you can find some good matches on there for sure. It, w- it, it was just funny watching that. I'm like, man, I'm absolutely wa- the reason why there is footage of this match <laughs> being played right now. That's absolutely right. <laughs> shout out to Brock and, uh, and Trask and Trask too, I guess, for being the one to even find it. But right. yeah, that is that is absolutely a byproduct of me uploading that match on YouTube because I doubt anyone else would have found it <laughs> yeah people wouldn't have cared it would have you know what would have happened is it would have gotten bought by wwe around the time that they did the cruiserweight classic right because they teased and talked about some stuff about it there and then they would have like wwe would have bought it and then they would have just like put it in like a fucking library and no one would have ever watched it like they would have never put it out anywhere you know it's funny that like i feel like we talk about the Slack having this ghost influence, but somehow our two biggest influences have been anything involving Daniel Makabe for the most part, and this match becoming some legendary Holy Grail match. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. Yeah. yeah. And now they're doing it, and now they've done it again. Again, like I said, this is their fourth time wrestling each other second time on the main stage i think the the new commentator what's his name uh oh god i wish i i gotta remember this guy's name because i do like him i think he's a solid commentator anyways um he mentioned this is their second time wrestling each other on the big stage um what did you think was it better than the wrestle dream match or was it just way too much stupid grapple fuck bullshit and they were just doing master they were just doing masturbatory we're showing off that we know how to do holds uh i loved it it's my current match of the year i love it uh, i think it's a little bit better than the wrestle dream match and for me i think it comes down to i think the things that make zach saber jr a really good heel are also the things that make him a 
really solid baby face when the time calls for it. That sort of indignant, standoffish energy, that asshole prick thing that he really leaned into in the last few years. I feel like that is what makes him a good baby face, a good fiery, fuck you, I'm not going to stay down baby face. I feel like that works for him. And that's what they sort of led, that wasn't what they sort of leaned into with this particular match. It's one of the best Zach performances I've seen in a long time, just in terms of his selling and everything. It's a stellar performance from him. And yeah, these two are just great at executing all of these things. I love it. It didn't feel like it was 32 minutes at all. It was two of the best at that style of wrestling, being able to blend it seamlessly into the higher pace stuff towards the end. And it didn't feel like 32 minutes at all. I loved it. If someone prefers the Wrestle Dream match, I don't think that's a crazy take, but I love this match, and I think that's purely because I think I like babyface Zach more than some of our friends do. Sure. I can't argue with you on that, and I think that part of the part of the thing about both these guys is I, I do think that um, I think Danielson, especially now with the WWE run, is like kind of more memorable as a babyface. Um, he's, you know, when people think of Danielson, they think of babyface work. That's like kind of the aura. But similarly to what you're saying about Zach, but in reverse, is that I think his best work is actually as a heel. And we've been seeing it especially throughout this run. Um, I think it's incredibly disingenuous to try to look point to the Blackpool Combat Club, you know, run and try to say that like it's just so confusing. You can't tell what the heel face dynamic is. I just feel like when you're doing that, you're really being bad faith because I think anybody who's watching it can see what's happening and it's it's not necessarily their fault. And it's also not necessarily a bad thing because it's executed so well, which is that the Blackpool Combat Club, whip ass, Brian Danielson and Moxley absolutely fucking own and everyone wants to like them and cheer for them, but they're heels and that's it. And they yeah, don't they're, really yeah, do. They're, they're dicks. Like they're yeah. cool, but they just happen to be dicks. Yeah. And they don't necessarily do like the stone cold thing. They don't do the anti-hero thing. They don't do any of that. They are pretty purely heels. And this people want to cheer for them and they like them. And that's about it. That's the only real gray area there because they wrestle like heels. And in this match specifically, Danielson wrestles like a heel and he kicks ass at being a heel. He's just so aggressive and violent. Um, and this is the stuff where, you know, I made the joke about the grapple fuck thing. This is the stuff where you talk about two guys who are so good at this style or whatever. And it's like th both of them, especially Danielson, is so goddamn good at, you know, technical wrestling or whatever you want to say that, like, it's not really like a technical wrestling match. Like, Danielson is so charismatic. He's so focused on the story and he's just so good at everything that he does that, like, it just feels like a wrestling match. You know, like it doesn't when you really break it down, it doesn't feel like, oh, they were trying to do like a technical wrestling match. It's like, yeah, no, no, they're just do, they're just pure, doing pure wrestling. Yeah, no, it just it doesn't feel like that at all. And it doesn't drag in any, in any in any of that stuff. I guess the most notable thing is that Zach won and Zach won with a pin. He did not 
tap out Zach, just like Zach did not tap him out. Uh, Wrestle Dream, and that's setting up the third match in a trilogy where they're talking about neutral grounds and would that mean Forbidden Door? Probably. Uh, right. So maybe we'll. So hopefully we'll see that match at some point. I also wouldn't be mad if that match just happened in Japan again. To be honest, I'd be fine with that too. Sure, yeah. Um, but I love I love the match. It's great. I don't have any issues with it. I even saw. Uh, I think Joseph had said something about like when it's, it's when you see Danielson versus anybody, it's hard to not look at this and see how good Danielson is and then you look at the opponent and they're just not as good as Danielson and it's like I mean like I hear you but that's just kind of a hard thing to do when Daniel we all agree that Danielson is the best wrestler ever so even with me being a super Zach high man yeah like for the most part even on Zach's best day he's not as good as Brian Danielson but like Zach was really good here for what his role was. And I think that especially because Zach has hinted at it himself this year with the departures of Osprey and Okada, that Zach is probably in line for a major, major, major push. And yeah. he beat Danielson here. He has an upcoming singles match with Yuji Nagata on one of the on one of the new beginning of Sapporo shows. You know, Zach has won New Japan Cup and all that shit before. Maybe Zach wins it again. And would it shock you if after winning New Japan Cup that Zach actually won the belt? That that I wouldn't mean, shock me. That wouldn't shock me very much either. So it would oh, go ahead. So I think we're in line for a major Zach year in terms of his his importance in New Japan. And I thought that he fulfilled his role well because ultimately, like Danielson's on the way out. And especially in New Japan, that match should be about Zach. That match should be about making Zach and making Zach look good and in a position to like have the fans into him. And if that meant Zach working a little bit more babyface because he's facing Brian Danielson and Zach needs to be shined up a bit for the year he's going to have, then that's just what it is. Yeah, no. And, and I didn't even finish the second part of my thought and it's not, you know, because you, I just kind of forgot it, but like the idea that, as I was saying, that Danielson is the guy that like you think of, as people think of naturally as a baby face, but he's better as a heel. Zach, you were kind of talking about it, but it's the inverse where I think that people think of him as a heel, but he's actually better as a baby face. Um, and the the presentation, what was going on here, the way that it's the setup, the stuff that you're talking about. And one thing that you didn't, you know, you didn't mention there, and obviously it's kind of being nice, but it's like something that I was kind of thinking about, talking about formulating in my head as we're, I was talking about the Okada Tanahashi thing and just how stale it feels and I'm just checked out. And the idea that Okada leaving is probably best if we're being perfectly honest, because there's almost nothing that really feels fresh with these same. That's like to the point where it's just like, I can't even tell who's like, Oh, is it because they're washed? Is it this and that? Or is it just because this roster has been the same for so fucking long that everything is so stale um, that Saber and Naito is one of the few matches that still feels really fresh when they do it. When they wrestle each other, they have a really awesome kind of uh, chemistry with each other that that they still deliver stuff that's like exciting and interesting. So building to a Zack Naito title match with Zack taking the title would definitely be able to play off of that, that there's still something to that that you can kind of sink your teeth into. Um, 
uh, one more thing before we move okay. on from this match. But I know you didn't mention anything. Like, you didn't really give your thoughts on the match yet. But. Oh, I mean, again. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it was funny listening to, like, the VOW podcast and listening to them, like, just be over the moon about the grappling and the realism and this is just guys being dudes and slapping on holds and all that stuff. And I get that not everyone does like works a style the exact same way. And some people might work a style in a more accessible way. But it's just so funny to know that they were like the leading voices of yes. the anti-Timothy Thatcher shit from 2016. And for them to be going so crazy over Zach and Brian Danielson and saying, you know, this is real pro wrestling. And if you don't, you know, if, if you're not into, if you're not into this, then you're more into sports entertainment and basically, basically saying shit like that. And I'm like, Oh no fucking way. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah. Like, like, it's like it's, it's the embodiment of like I know that ain't who I think it is. There's no, no fucking way I'm hearing th- from you two. Nah, there's no way. There's yeah. no way, and I'm open to the idea that Danielson and Zach work that style in a more accessible way than Timothy Thatcher, right? But being a Thatcher guy and being like, hey, like this guy is actually a really great seller. That's really what his strength is it's not just the execution of the holds and everything like that because i love thatcher you love thatcher i don't think we call thatcher like some fucking technical savant or some shit that's not really the point of thatcher that's not really he's good he's good at what he does but he's not drew gulak he's not zach he's not like he's not that type of guy but what he is good at is selling in emoting which are the most basic things in pro wrestling. So for Thatcher to have been so shit on by those two people, being in a similar style when where he's actually like the most emotive seller out of any of those people, it is so fucking crazy to look back on. But yeah, that's 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 it. It was it was, it was just funny. It was just funny. Oh yeah. Well, here's the thing. You talked about it. You know, that's 2016. That's before Osprey turns into this whole run. That's again, you know, should I even fucking should I point to the big sign, Quentin? Should I say who voted for Will Osprey in the GWE? Right. Because they also on that same podcast were doing a chat about that early period of Osprey where, you know, people you could see that there was something there, but he wasn't quite as good as like fucking. But I was going to say J.J. Gale. Um, He wasn't, you know, quite as good as. uh, um. Oh God, I can't think of the fucking guy. The uh, Callan Newman. Callan Newman, right? Oh, Callan Newman is better than Osprey was at that age. This and that. Like, oh, that was at the age when I put Will Osprey on the GWE ballot, and no one else did. Um, right? Like, like, and the thing is, is that they got ten years of Dave Meltzer giving seven and a half stars to you know Osprey Okada, um, and. Omega and Okada and all that stuff. And now, yeah. So now it's what it is. is, It's funny because I just was hearing this recently, like the idea that you need the balance, you need the the dark and light. It's the it's like a quote thing from the Bible where it's like the 
God had given the people like manna from heaven and they had so much that they, they wanted meat. They prayed for quail meat. And God said, like, I'll give you so much quail meat that you'll be, you know, begging to not have, have it anymore. Right. Um, they've had 10 years of getting what they wanted and it's all of this fucking high spots bullshit that doesn't make any goddamn sense for the most part. And like some people are very good at it and can give you interesting matches, but basically the fact that now wrestling has become all this and now they're actually appreciating the stuff that they were talking shit about 10 years ago because they got 10 years of getting everything they wanted constantly. Because if, if you remember, like even back during those years where I thought Zach was arguably the best wrestler in the world for a three-year stretch from 2016 to 2018. You, you're a podcast psycho, so you probably remember. Even back then, they weren't like super big Zach people. No. Like, they would mention Zach or whatever, but Zach is not someone that like got taken seriously by a lot of people as a wrestler uh, of the year type of guy on that side, on, on that side of things. Right. And... Yeah. It's just, like I said, it's just, it is just really, really, really funny that I guess we're at a point now where I guess we appreciate pro wrestling again. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> my point. They got burnt out on getting what they wanted for 10 years and now they're real. And, you know, like you could say whatever you want, but like the meme wrestling and all that stuff, like it all comes from the same shit. It all comes from this. And they got they got so much of it that they're fucking full, and now they want to go back to the stuff that we've been we were heralding the whole time. Um, no, that's fine. It's good. I'm I'm happy because this match ruled. And if more people are going to talk about it, if this match is going to end up winning the Voices of Wrestling Match of the Year thing, maybe it's pretty early, but we'll see. You know, that's good. That's that's it's it's good, but it is. Yeah, it is and, exactly and, like, and I'm and I'm saying this, and you are too. Is I'm a guy where as much as Timothy Thatcher and Walter and Zach. And Kyoshi Tamara and Volkan and Yuki Ishikawa and Daisuke Ikeda are going to be on my GWE list. Kenny Omega and yeah. Kazushika Okada and Will Ospreay are probably going to be on my GWE list. Like, so none, 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 none of this is coming from a place as if I have a side. But it was yeah. so funny to listen to them like talk about, oh, you know, these people, they're just not open. They're just not open to the other side of wrestling. I'm like, motherfucker, there's no way. You, <laughs> you of all people, you of all people cannot be the guy saying this right now. Right. Well, it's even, it's just, it's even so funny because it speaks even like what I was saying there. And it's a thing that I mentioned when I was talking about Riddle and like Riddle becoming a WWE guy. I was mentioning that a couple of weeks ago. Like, like for them to be like, oh, you know, you're into the sports entertainment thing. You're in, and, and WWE has turned into the, it's the same thing. It's, 10 years of high spots wrestling becoming the norm to where even now WWE is like a high spots wrestling company. Right. And like, yeah, it is just like, you're fucking sick of it. So now that's not the thing anymore. Now just basic, you know, grounded wrestling is the thing. It's cool again. Yeah. Whatever. Again, it's fine. I take the long view just like you do where it's like, I like all of it when it's done properly, when it's done well, it could be good no matter what, you know? Um, and it's, you know, kind of speaks to what I was saying about the match with, with Zach and, and Danielson. Like, Danielson is at the point where, again, the kind of wrestling that he's doing, you know, reminds me of, like, um, O'Connor. Like, I don't think of him as a technical wrestler. I just think of him as a wrestler. And that's the real throwback to, you know, the golden era 60s, 70s wrestling. It's not, 
It's not Osprey and Oku. It's Brian Danielson being able to give you a match that wouldn't look out of place in any time period. There's some stuff that obviously is a little bit updated because it's kind of got the MMA thing that maybe didn't really exist back then. But for the most part, like I think that you could have this Danielson type match right next up next to something like a like a um a Luthes match, right? And it would not really look out of place. Um, because it's just it just feels like wrestling. It doesn't feel like technical wrestling. It doesn't feel no, it just feels like a wrestling match. I thought it was yeah, like phenomenal. can you tell that it's more perform yeah. like that it's still more performance art than something like Luthes era where they were trying to make it seem like it wasn't as cooperative? Sure. But like at its core, it's like is this really any all that different than what you would have seen like the gotchas or Fez or Hackenschmidt or Vern Gagne or Billy doing? Yeah, no, no, this is just it's just it's just pro wrestling. And it yeah, it was perfect, phenomenal, executed insanely well. Um, it could probably be my match of the year. I don't think I, I don't think I, you know, I quite decided on that, but I could definitely see it. I, I could definitely agree with you on that. Um. But yeah, it's it's definitely in the conversation, you know. Main event. This is a lot over an hour long. Is it ten man? Yeah, ten man steel yeah, cage ten match. People. Yeah. Ten people. We're I don't know why Ocon is not in it. You know, he was in a match whatever. earlier. Um he, he was hanging with Callum Newman earlier in the show. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't still I don't know why. Still you know, still why is he not in it? Um yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the story. Like obviously there's Osprey David Finley, then you have the catch two two uh guys and them being directly paired off with like Maloney and uh Clark. And even Cobb and Coglin have had a story. So right. yeah, I'm not I, I would I would have liked to see Ocon in it, but I, I it kind of makes sense, I think. I guess if you're trying to say like it's all your ad odd man out are Gabe Kid and Hanare, I guess they kind of match up. I don't know. And, and, just... and, 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 and not even they, they're not even odd men out. They had a match on a Corican show, like where they ended in, ended in a double yeah. knockout. So okay, yeah, everyone's, I guess that makes sense, everyone's been mostly yeah. paired off, other than Ocon, really. Yeah, yeah, okay. I guess I get it. I just I look at it and I go, okay. And this was honestly on my initial viewing, and I. I said it's an hour long. It's over an hour long, and I've watched it more than twice. Um, more than twice. Yes, on my initial viewing, I thought Hanare was the standout of the entire match, uh. and so that was kind of why I thought it was really glaring to then say like, why wouldn't you have Okan in there? Because I think that he would have easily been better than Hanare in the match. But on subsequent viewings, I did I did start to really appreciate. Um, Akira second viewing I was like okay Akira is actually probably the star of the match or at least like the best worker in the match um like overall um just the way that he bumped and his intensity and everything else he was like he was just I think he was the best hardest worker throughout the thing um and then it also doesn't hurt that like he didn't do any stupid bullshit which uh, <laughs> a lot of the rest of the guys did and I, I mean I'm already just getting into my review fuck it I'm just gonna go like I I really, really thought that this was insanely overbooked and had way too much stuff for then also on top of it to be like a lot of the overbooking and extra bullshit was coming from the the United Empire side and then they still lose in the end and they not only lose, but they get fucking swamped to where they end up with five on one. I'm just like, okay, why did you do the Ashwong? Why did you do the Spirit of 76 spot? Why did you do, you know, again, Ocon coming out and 
and chasing off uh, Gato. Why did you do all of this? And then you guys still end up in a five on one situation. It's just like, that is just like so much extra bullshit and so much. And then to still just lose, it really makes you look bad. It's like you guys went over the top with all of this extra shit and you just got killed. And then if you compare like the powerhouses and the tanks, you've also got like Cobb. I thought Cobb looked so much sicker as a powerhouse than, than Coughlin did. So it's like, yeah, like in the end, it really makes um, United Empire look super bad that they did so much and just got basically got washed. Um, and I guess you could say like part of the reason for that is they're leaving. Osprey's leaving. The unit may not exist anymore. Or if they do exist, there's going to be a refresh. So this stuff won't matter. But I felt like you got to the point where like, yeah, it's just like, it became like laughable to even think that you could take United Empire seriously. Like they probably have to just die. They can't like keep this unit going. Um, that said, I think that they did a great job that everyone was willing to get color. There was plenty of blood. They were willing to beat the shit out of each other. The taking the ring apart stuff, I think at a certain point, it started to feel like overkill and too much, but then they kept going with it to the point where it actually like circled back around and, and started to work because it just felt so ridiculous with the boards fucking popping up and splishing around and just feeling insanely dangerous and, and out of control. So yeah, like I thought that they, that actually caught back up and went from being like stupid or like over the top to then like being um, actually got back to being like cool because of just how crazy it got um and the uh, the actual finish itself with the picking apart of osprey i thought was was done masterfully in a way that made it not only made like it definitive but it also really helped to make the war dogs look like something um so yeah like you come out of it and the war dogs look fucking sick but it's just what's going to be the follow-up because like this is kind of feels like the peak and we haven't really seen if they're going to deliver on this um there's a lot here like i said it's over an hour long I feel like I barely hit anything, um, but at the same time, I feel like I've already talked enough. But like, yeah, Quentin, what were your kind of thoughts on everything? I mean, it basically can be boiled down to like, it's really long and there's a lot to not like about it, but the stuff that is good here is pretty good and well done. For me, I thought the part that dragged the most was waiting for people to enter the ring. I thought that a lot of the entrances into the match didn't really do a ton to make me excited. But then once everyone was in the ring, I thought it was genuinely really chaotic and nuts and crazy in a lot of spots. You see uh, plenty of, you see plenty of blood and that is one thing that I will give them credit for. They had the war game spirit there in terms of that. Like they, there was blood from Osprey and, Akira and uh, Maloney and Kid, like you got, you got plenty of blood. So uh, that definitely made it feel a little bit more authentic. It is very melodramatic as well, and some of that melodramatic stuff, like they really do it for me. Uh, like the Ashwang thing and uh, TJP coming out of the coming from under the ring, dressed like that, was dumb and stupid. But they've also been building to that for however long now. It's just whatever, and I didn't like. I didn't like it. I would have preferred TJP just bleed like everyone else and do whatever, but that's not what we got. Uh, I thought that Akira was the best guy in the match. He was for sure my standout when I when I watched it. Uh, I probably would also 
give some credit to Gabe Kidd as well. But I feel like everyone mostly kind of did what they were supposed to do there and like looked really good. It's just sorry. While while you're on that, I do want to point out one, and I I agree. I, obviously, like I said, I got there and I agreed with you that like it was actually Akira and, and Gabe Kidd clearly. But another, I think maybe under appreciated under Harold performance on the War Dogs team, um, and especially speaks to when you're talking about the blood was uh, Maloney. Yeah, I think that Maloney's blade job and selling towards the end, I think, really added something because the rest of the War Dogs were all kind of gloating and and taking their like their moment in the sun but he was the one member of the team who at the end was kind of really selling fatigue yes so no i i thought i really think that most of the guys in here did a pretty good job like i don't think this is a bad match at all and if, if someone hated it because it is super long and melodramatic in a, in a match like this doesn't need to go that long and you just were not interested in board and the spots nothing for you i totally get it I had fun with this match for the most part. It's not great or anything, but it did enough that I want a match like this to accomplish with the spots and the weaving of stories and stuff like that, that it was serviceable for me. And I thought it was, and I thought it was good. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't have anything. Like, I don't really have anything negative to say here. If you're looking for a podcast, I was just like, rip this match to shreds or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't really have anything negative to say about this match. Yeah. I, uh, it's not going to end up on a match of the year list, but it will definitely be like on the match of like the unique matches of the year. You know what I mean? It's, there's not going to be anything else like this. Um, there's not going to be a lot of things that kind of compare to this. It's kind of going to kind of be where like the anarchy in the arenas are, except for like, there's a, there was like one anarchy in the arena that was, solidly actually a match of the year contender um but like the other ones you know all the other anarchy in the arena type matches like this will be on the top of that list you know and uh yeah for sure um osprey gone but not gone you know this is it i guess you know you know you know what i thought about when sure. i was watching the end of the match and people cheering for osprey and all that is i remember do you remember back on this era of Twitter when Osprey first got there and you have the Bucks still there and Kenny and all these people and these people tried to say that those people weren't actually over. Yes. Yeah. And I do it was just that. and it was just interesting to watch this and see Osprey's entrance and then the post match and think about that. And maybe if you wanted to try to argue that Osprey wasn't that over at the time, then I'd understand that. But it's just, it's just again, it's just funny to look back on certain stuff because you hear how how over Osprey's been for the last two years, and then you see how super duper over he is at the end of this show, and you could talk about maybe they like accepted him as one of their own and they respect the effort that he's been giving them and he like really showed respect to the company and all that stuff. Like you could spin it whatever way in which you want to as to where they were so into Osprey by the end of his run in this match. But it just made me think to when there were people arguing that, oh, yeah, the foreigners that come over, they aren't actually over. You know, like, that's yeah. not that's not true. <laughs> no, it's never been true. And it's, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's just, it does remind me of, like, another little bit and another dig, but I'm just going to not even waste the time on that right now. 
because yeah, it's it is it is interesting <laughs> to think about that and to think about like the history of Japanese wrestling and how many foreigners were like top stars in Japan. Um and this was another example of something kind of like that with Osprey. Again, by the end of it, he's the, obviously the crowd is super into him and he's gonna come back, he's gonna get a big hero's welcome, and it's gonna be great when he does return. Um, so yeah. Either um, way, I guess the, no, the notable thing to wonder is I guess TJP is going up to heavyweight now, which is what they okay. which is what they were saying. TJP is going up to heavyweight. Francesco Akira is staying as the junior, and I feel like we're going to see more of him. Obviously, Callum Newman, I think, is going to be pushed even harder now. Uh, now, the thing that I do wonder is is Riddle coming in to be the leader of United Empire, or are they going to push Cobb? It's it's that's an interesting one. And I, you know, it's so funny because I feel like I was the first person to say that <laughs> I even said it on the podcast. And then now I'm hearing it being said in other places and not just being like, oh, maybe. But like people saying like, oh, you know, like a lot of people are saying this and it's going around like, yeah, like, you know, I, I said that from the beginning. And I do think that there's still a good chance that we end up seeing Riddle ending up in the leader role of this group. Um, I think it would make. It makes sense. Um, I could also see pushing Cobb. I think maybe you push Con Ocon, and that's why he's not in the match, as I talked about from the beginning. Right. Because true, true, if true. you look at it, Ocon, now is still, he's... Ocon is still there for sure. Yeah. And he's clean, right? Because he yeah. wasn't in this match where the they got fucking just washed, right? So he doesn't yeah. have any of this stink on him. So, yeah, I could I could see it just they go with Ocon, but I do I honestly do think it's just going to be Riddle is going to come in and, and be the leader of the group, and I think that's not a bad thing necessarily. But that's yeah. that'd be my main prediction. It's going to be one of those two things, and if I was going to pick just one, I'm going to go with Riddle. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. another thing I guess in the in the wake of Okada leaving, I've still been curious what happens with Chaos. Is Chaos finally dead? Are we finally free? That'd be good. Like, or are they just going to do like something where Shota Amino is now the leader of chaos or some shit? Like, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't know, but chaos should end, right? <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I think that they should just drop it and be done with the whole chaos thing. Cause yeah, yeah, there's not, there's nothing left. <laughs> there's nothing left to do with that unit. And it's really barely been a unit for a long time now at this point. Um, I don't know what you do with like Bishamon and really that's it. Like I feel like Bishamon's the only like chaos thing that is left. I mean, yo, I mean, yo, yo is there. And if, if, if sure. you thought anything was left of yo. Sure. I mean, yeah, I don't know. You'd stick him anywhere. Yeah. They could do Akira and yo as the junior tag team. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. TJP going heavyweight. doesn't, feels like it doesn't really make sense he's so small um no nah, whatever um i think that, i think okay. i think that's it though I th yeah i think that's it um yeah otherwise i don't have anything else left quentin feel free to uh close it out for the evening of course you can follow me on twitter at qt underscore moody you can follow tim at ROH Dutch, you can follow violent people at violent underscore people. If you're feeling so kind, you could donate to us on coffee. And if you specify what you are donating for, if you decide to donate on coffee, I will write a review of whatever match you have specified. 
if you were specifying that this is in response to Quentin's uh, declaration, that he will review X, Y, Z for if, like if it's if it's donated, then I will do it. I should probably set a barometer of the price or whatever. But yeah, I'm willing. Uh, you know, if there's interest here, I will introduce a thing where I write a written review of a match on the Violent People website, and that will be how you get me to write written words. Otherwise, thank you all for listening and hope here next time. Candlesticks in the dark, visions of bodies being burned. Candlesticks in the dark, visions of bodies being burned. Candlesticks in the dark, visions of bodies being burned. Candlesticks in the dark, visions of bodies being burned. The hook gon' be what it is, the hands off, the retribution for what you took from the man. Got blood on the rust, God bless the red earth, the dead man walks the tongue bridge, a bridge, the time space, the boot, the concrete, the project undone, they juke it, major look, you can't see it, the mob built the walls, the streets bleed sweet, syrup, the bees love it. They coming on a swarm and they raining on your college ass disco. Get your collar turned up in your freshest attire. Get your bitch womb ready, cause this baby gon' be fire. It's not a dream, it's a memory. Memory glands heavy in the sky, blacked out already. Stop screaming. The flames ain't shit to a demon. Say the name. She remember the fast lane in December off in drift when she drive College girl looking for the love, learned about it in a book But she always kept the gloves on So when the skin touch, shit, head rush Red brush, lipstick, she just crush a lot and Every pun pales in comparison, a joke to a jester She inundated with dick, thick And becoming conservative and her fucking and nervous That she would rush him, but murder wasn't discussing The further she learned to trust him, the merger of love and lust And she's serving it all up just cause he hold her when he would bust Until nine months later with a stomach full of devil, baby She started to think it's time to pump the brakes But that train left the station with the great migration Bloody tracks left right by the drain Say the name. Candlesticks in the dark, visions of bodies being burned. Candlesticks in the dark, visions of bodies being burned. Candlesticks in the dark, visions of bodies being burned. Candlesticks in the dark, visions of bodies being burned. The hook gon' be the coldest pimp slap. Coke rack for man's skin. Let it air dry. Swiss cheese, the brother already half dead. Brain leaking out a hole in his forehead. Lobotomy is like pills. Get them for cheap. The party line crack kills. They trying to see. But this one more a hairline fracture. Leave the face painted a mask for the hereafter. After the smoke clears and the highs come down. And the halogen hallucinations don't make a sound. Just a bunch of scared junkies not making the call. And a Guernica and blood on the wall. Say the name. Candlesticks in the dark, 